Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and Kelly Williams agent. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. All right, folks, this is not your normal group. This group's about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No guru bullshit from the front. No smell of stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. You keep that shit at the other meetings, all right? RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your entertainment and, with any luck, education. All right, folks, uh, this is part of the podcast, too, where if you enjoy it, if you don't enjoy it, just move right along. But if you enjoy this podcast, I need your help. The deal I'm making with you guys is I will double the amount of content I put out this year, but we want to grow the podcast to 5,000 weekly listeners. And here's how you do it. First, if you haven't already, go on the iTunes rate and review. Then from the Facebook uh, Renegade Detroit Investor page, if you can, share this podcast. And if our guests share it, share it from their page. Share it anywhere. Just share the link. That's, that's what you have to do. All right. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, reach out to me at renegadedetroit.com and let me know. If you're interested in attending any of the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. You want to hit me up personally on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. I'm on Snapchat at Jeremy A. Burgess. Somebody beat me to the punch there. I was a little slow. And as always, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers all right legal disclaimer don't blame me folks you know these morons man in no way shape or form should anything that i and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice we highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals be an adult don't fucking sue me all right (laughs) Time for the Renegade Joint Investors Show Quote of the Week, where I pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully for the rest of your week. And uh, I ripped this one off from our guest, um, kind of. The art of being wise is the art of knowing what to overlook. William James. The art of being wise is the art of knowing what to overlook. That's by William James. Let me introduce you to my guest, Matthew Stransky. He originally grew up in Shelby Township. He has a mom and dad who are still together and a younger brother. They grew up They grew up blue collar and sports ruled his life. Currently, he lives in Berkeley with his wife, Annie, his adorable 16-month-old boy, Quinn. Hope I said that right. You did. Yeah. And mini golden doodle. What is that? Priya. 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 Yes. Three for three. That's it. His passions, God, family, real estate, real estate investing, personal growth, a jiu-jitsu and fitness and his businesses, his real estate agent team here at Keller Williams Stransky and company at Keller Williams and Royal Oak. And is it Lila? Lila. Lila. Damn it. Yeah. Three for four. Lila investments. And this is his development and fix and flip business with a strong focus on the Woodward corridor. And Matt's all in on the Facebook. So go to facebook.com forward slash Stransky and company. And that's S T R A N S K Y and company. And this will be in the show notes. And then, uh, also hit him up to search Matthew Stransky on Facebook and he'll be there. Welcome, man. Howdy, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. So thanks for having me, man. yeah. So let's go back. Okay. So you said all 
Like sports ruled your, what do you, what do you mean by that? Sports ruled your life. I was all in, you know, I, I think that's really what it meant. Um, I wasn't much of a student, you know, being very honest, you know, going back to high school, not that I, I was an E and D student, but I was an average student. Uh, but r- sports ruled my life. I mean, my, my parents took me across country playing baseball. Where I grew up, I was very fortunate. There were 16, you know, guys on my block growing up. And we were, I was kind of in the middle. My brother was at the bottom end. And that's all we did, man. Like, I, like I laugh at what's going on. My, my uh, wife is a teacher. And they had this 60-minute play stuff. That's crazy to me. I mean, I, there was only 60 minutes in a day when I wasn't younger that I wasn't playing. You know, and it was sports, and um, so yeah, that was it. We were all in, and 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 I loved every minute of it. Yep. They actually have sixty minute play now. Yeah, like the NFL, the sponsor, like oh, sixty minutes a day, you need to be outside playing. I mean, I know this is the video game world, but man, that gets old quick. Yeah. So I, I grew up with Nintendo, and Nintendo for me, especially as ADD as I was, as competitive as I was, and again, how much I love sports. Uh, there was nothing like it. Nintendo was, was a far cry. Yeah. Shit. I <laughs> sports saved my life. I'll eventually get into that, but getting out of the house and just having some place to go and yeah. spend time and do something that was actually positive, yep. even though I spent most of my time getting my ass kicked cause <laughs> I wasn't right. good at it like you, but I showed up. <laughs> hey, that's it. Yeah. So what sports did you, uh, what sports up, did you sport, Matt? Yeah. So I, I grew up, uh, I grew up on the East side in Shelby township and, uh, football was always a big thing out there. Um, so I grew up playing football. I started off in Shelby Lions when, you know, became a mellow Mustang, played through junior high. And then, uh, coming into high school, my high school was a little bit different. You could, uh, seventh, eighth and ninth grade were in the, the middle school at Mallow. And then, uh, 10 through, through 12th, you came and played high school. So, um, I was fortunate. I, I played as a sophomore, both, uh, varsity football, varsity baseball, played with some great athletes on some really good teams, especially when I was younger. And, um, you know, that was, that was kind of the start of it. And then from there I, uh, played travel baseball. I played eventually into a feeder club called the Mount, uh, Mount Clemens baseball club there. And, and I mean, kids were starting as young as 13 and all the way up into their mid twenties playing wood bat after. Um, so I went everywhere, man. I, I, now as a parent, I'm like, holy shit. You know, I know what I'm in store for, provided my guy wants to play sports. Because when I was in it, man, it, it just seemed like that's what you're doing, not looking at the sacrifices my parents made. But I think that's what you learn through sports. And it's probably somewhere where maybe your story will lead is the sacrifice, the hard work, um, just the work ethic that needs to be put into something like that, let alone played at a high level. But uh, and then. Fast forward, so uh, and probably one of my biggest life lessons is through sports, and it, and it's not the best of lessons. Uh, I quit on myself, like going into my junior year, which is you know your biggest year to be recruited. I was, I mean, I was getting tons of letters, and you know things were were really on the up. And what happened was, is when I was getting recruited, and, I, and I'm still a little guy, but I was much smaller then. They wanted me to put weight on. So I, I did. I mean, I, I wasn't any bigger than I am now, maybe 155, 160 pounds tops, but it really affected my swing. And I mean, I'm talking the most fucked up year in baseball you've ever seen. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, just anything that could have went wrong. And I, and I think again, the, the mind frame, right? Like, like we talk is, um, I just got stuck in the negative. You know, I couldn't get out and I hated baseball, 
when I up until I was about 13 or 14, I mean, I slept with my glove. It was my life, man. I mean, I was really I thought that's what I was here on Earth for. Right. And uh, when I went through that, I, I really I never recovered. You know, and I think there's a difference between confidence and real confidence. It's easy to be confident when things are going good. You know, when they're not, that's a different story. And in my life, it, it was an interesting time in my life. I mean, a lot of people who supported me. Uh, you know, it went much differently. I mean, they were kind of the first ones to put me down. And, and again, I bought into it. It's all on me. But uh, then I went into my senior year. I bagged football. Um, some of the schools were basically telling me, you know, you're, you're way too small. If you die out there, you know, you're, you're a preferred you walk die out yeah. there. <laughs> well, probably, and I would say even before baseball season honestly really hit, I knew I didn't want to play. So I was telling my parents and, um, it was uh, it was an interesting time in my life because that was all I knew, you know. And then um, making an even longer story short is uh, I didn't want to play in college. I told my parents I was done, and they're like, "No, you're you're going to go to junior college." Well, one of the guys that was recruiting me got a, a head coaching job at a junior college. I went there and I hated every minute of it, man. Um, and that also is kind of what kicked off where my life is headed and in, in, in the direction I am in now um, is that's when my dad and I went to junior college. I became a really good student. I started reading every book I could. And where it started is I got the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So that kind of filled the void for me as an athlete. And, uh, and that's where real estate comes in. That's where business comes in. This is no different than a sport. A lot of days it is why I show up in a sweatshirt because I'm ready to kick ass. It's, yeah. it's a sport, man. There's a lot of losing. I want to go back yeah. to you where you, you quit on yourself. I sure. think that, I think that's interesting. I feel like I did the same thing my sure. junior year. I don't know if that's a, interesting. a man thing or something like that. It yeah. sounds like you were better though. Like I was always. <sighs> Like mediocre at yeah, best I mean, in a small pool of competition. And, and again, man, I, I, I uh, you know, I'm uh, not here to be a washed up athlete or anything, but yeah, I mean, I, I could play. Um, I definitely played baseball at a super high level. Um, and, and, uh, Again, I, I just looking back on it, I, I wish I, I was as mentally as strong as I am now um, to tell my young self, hey, you know, don't quit, keep going. Like, if you really want it, you know, you, you're going to have to go through this. And and I think what made it hard, and, and again, not being negative, it is what it is. It, it shaped me. But there were so many arrows <laughs> coming out of the woodwork. Again, people, friends that I thought were supporting me that they were. They they enjoyed me seeing, you know, seeing me fall a little bit. And uh, I wasn't big enough at that time to, uh, to put myself back up. And That's a hard lesson. Yeah. It, but it, as a like, junior in high, in totally. high school, right? And and I really what I lost through that, and, and it's sad. And I honestly, I fucking hate baseball now. Not because <laughs> of this. I just look at it, and it's such a boring game to me. I yeah. mean, the jiu-jitsu and all that. I, I love the just the grind of that. But um, I I was at a different point in my life, and and like I said, as a young man, I didn't answer the call, and I'm more than big enough to to say it now. But yeah, going back, um, man, it was it was a smaller hurdle than I really made it. Um, but it is what it is. You know? Yeah, it's and, like and it's, it's tapping out thing. when you didn't have to. You totally. Know? And and I just like I again going back to. Uh, I just lost the passion for it. And I'm the kind of person I'm either all in or all out. There is no in between with me. And um, I had made my mind up, 
you know, going into my senior year, I wasn't going to play after that, you know, and, and, uh, I lost the passion. I hated it. I didn't sleep with my baseball glove. When I went to junior college, all the schools that were recruiting me wanted me to play center field. I was a middle infielder. I remember the first day I got out there and, you know, I had a little 12 inch glove. I mean, a, a paddle and I get out there and I've got like this basket, I mean, hanging off my hand. It was, it was so bizarre. And I can remember the, the, and, and again, I think the real athletes, I love the grind. I like the the practice. I loved it, you know, and I knew I was done when I hated going to practice. You know, everyone likes Friday nights, you know, that's, that's cool, man. The lights are on, the girls are out like that's, that's fun, but you win in the gym. Yeah. And I wasn't willing to go to the gym, man, you know, and, and that's when I knew inside myself that I wasn't in, you know, and if I wanted to go to that next level, especially run with those dogs, you got to be all in. Oh yeah. You better be yeah. right. So I, I wasn't. And, uh, but then I became all in <laughs> on real estate you know, well, yeah, and, a, and getting educated. It's an important lesson. I feel like I quit on, I did quit on myself my um, sure. junior year. I definitely quit my senior year. Sure. I was just done. I didn't want anything to do with sports sure. at all anymore. And you sure. know, I think that might change in the future, but that, that's interesting. Interesting. You, you said that um, the arrows came from, from everywhere. Sure. And I think the way they call it in the parlance of our times, the haters or whatever, right? <laughs> sure. Or or well, the crabs in the bucket when yeah. a poll. You p- there are people who like to see things fall. Um, sure. As best you can. What do you think? Describe that experience and what do you think you learned from it? And how long did it take? Because I, I <laughs> sure. to your point to the sixty minutes outside thing, I think it's an important thing for yeah. everybody to learn, especially men. Sure. I think you can learn it from jujitsu too, right? There's always someone better than you. Men and women should be able to defend themselves and, you know, not to get all barbaric, but I mean, it it is primitive and and it's definitely getting a lot more primitive out there. Yeah. So yeah, defending yourself. Um, Talking about the arrows. I mean, we were kind of laughing about it yesterday as a family because, because again, now it's uh, as bad as that story might sound. I can't, I can't tell you how appreciative I am of that experience because it's uh you know, I think it's where God was propelling me. I wasn't supposed to go there. Sobering. Yeah, yeah. But but the arrows we were laughing, I mean, giving you some examples, maybe if, if that's what you're asking. But uh, when when I be uh, was a sophomore, and it was rare, you know, and like I said, I'm not beating my chest, but it, it was rare where I grew up to be a, a sophomore playing varsity football, let alone varsity at, at baseball and football. So uh, when, when I joined the football team, um, my parents and I, we, you know, we'd go to these, uh, spaghetti dinners before. And then after there was just a, a parade and it was like Friday night lights. That's the best way to put it. Right. Well, when we showed up, I mean, it was like, oh man, you know, here's, here's Stransky. I mean, and not everyone was that way, you know, but definitely when I fell, it was that way, Yeah, you know, and, and, uh, and that's okay. You know, the, the lesson is people are going to be who they can be, are going to be. And, um, it's not your job to change them, but it is your job to get a handle on your shit, you know? And I think really what I, what I learned from that, and it's definitely who I am now, I don't really care what people think, you know? And I, and I tell my team this, if, as long as you can look yourself in the mirror and know you're doing all the right things and doing the, the best you can, that's all you can ask yourself. And you also got to have the right, uh, like I joke with them, the right set of nuts to also say to yeah. yourself, you're not doing the right things. And if you're not, fix it. So what? Mistakes are great. 
those are opportunities to grow. But with that mistake, if you keep repeating it, that's, that's a huge problem. That's the only time I get upset with my guys is if we make the same mistake twice and God bless them. I mean, they, they really haven't, you know, cause it's, 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 it needs to be an environment of learning. You know, there's no perfection, but you chase it. Yeah. Human error is just human error. Right. I think we try and personalize these things when, I look back at, at the person I was, and they're not even the same person all, but yeah, I'm the same person, right? Like just filled with air. Sure. I look at myself now, filled with air, and the sure. difference is now I don't beat myself up over the yes. air, right? Exactly. Failure's not the end of the world. That was the important thing about failing hard. Yeah. I was like, hey, this is part of the process too. Yeah. Sucks. Exactly. Exactly. Get your ass kicked. And and that's it. And I and I think uh um, you don't, and I, and through jujitsu, right? I mean, that's kind of my outlet where, where I see it the most in, in a lot of cases is when you win, uh, you don't really learn a lot, you know? And, and, and again, I think it goes back to the gym time sports or, or business is it, it's what you're doing in the gym. You're always propelling yourself better, but not until you fall, can you really fix something, you know? And jujitsu has really taught me that, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it could be just the smallest of detail, that makes all the difference in the world. And when you tweak it, it works. And when it doesn't, you struggle. It's, it's bizarre. It is. Well, now I want to go back to what you said and how thankful mm-hmm. you are for it yeah. and how that led you here. And with the rich dad, poor sure. dad book, I, when I quit on myself, it probably took me 12 years after that to get sure. my shit together, which is kind of fucking embarrassing, but it's <laughs> not, also not true, right? You, yeah. you could do it in six months or you can do it in four sure. years. You can, I sure as hell didn't do it in six months. Or you could do it in 12 years. years. Yeah. You could so, do it in 12 years. But um, how did that, how did that, I mean, quitting that failure yeah. propel you to success? Yeah, exactly. And it was a failure. Um, really, really what it, it became, uh, at first, what was a lot of curiosity, and and for those aren't who aren't familiar, and, and I realize I'm 36, I don't look a day over 12. I don't know if Rich Dad is like, you know, not as cool as it was when it first came out, but um, you know, it's a story about how the school system is kind of set up in a way um, that creates employees, you know, and and then not that it was bashing school. But man, it sure read loud to me. You know, I, I went, I went to school. I hated it. Uh, I am ADD. I only want to study what what I'm interested in, and it fascinated me. I started, I started reading it. I never read a book up until that point. I was the Cliff Note guy. If I wanted to buy the Cliff Notes, right? That's so hilarious. If when I, I read to buy that book, Lone. man, and I, I remember. <laughs> I mean, me and my parents laugh about. You're gonna it. read? No. Yeah. Right. Well, now, yeah, I was hell yeah. You know, it wasn't even a question. It was like, shit, he's not gonna read it. No. Nope. I mean, we laugh, and and I'm getting on a tangent, but um, me and my friend Aaron Curto, one of one of still my really good buddies, I had a uh, sociology class. I had uh, Miss Noonan, our teacher. Uh, my junior and senior year, both both years, we handed back the book in the package, you know, and again, not proud of it, but again, propelling me and, and back to rich dad. I read that book in like probably 13 hours, you know, and in more than reading it, like my parents always laugh is uh, I wouldn't shut up about it. You know what I mean? And that book changed my life. It opened my eyes to um, I do. And, and right. You're in it. This this other world. You know, and I knew at that minute that I read that book that I was going to fucking do it. I didn't know when, but I was going to do it. And that's what propelled me. And and I think as an athlete, I was really searching for something. Um, and man, I, I found it, <laughs> you know, and, and in that book, it just, it opened my eyes. And I, I never, 
Um, and I love the realtor thing. I do. I love helping people. Um, I, I love the process. I, I love the work. I love everything about it. But when I was reading that book, it was all about investing. It, it was never, oh, I'm going to be a realtor. It was like, man, I'm going to buy houses. I'm going to flip them. And then that money, I'm going to get rentals. I mean, I had everything. And I went like, like all in. I mean, I bought the cash flow game, 250 bucks. My mom's like, this is fucking crazy. I was like, no, mom. And, and I do. It's cheaper that, than public school. Exactly. You yeah. know, cheaper, cheaper than my college education. I mean, college gave me a little bit, but that board game, those books, and I read every book, you know, and, and that's what I became, you know, I mean, I became a, a real estate athlete, you know, a real estate yeah, athlete. Yeah. I love it. And they're, and they're no different. They, they really aren't, you know, and it's kind of, Again, I probably spun it a little bit different than you thought it was going to go. I mean, being a negative, but don't get it wrong, uh, especially baseball, playing at that high level. That's what I learned in sports. I, I learned hard work. I learned sacrifice. I, uh, I mean, I went out in high school maybe two or three times. I had a girlfriend at the time who uh, she wound up going and doing great things, playing uh, U of M soccer, All-American. That's what we did. You know, I eat, breathe, and slept it. And then when it went away, I filled it with that. And, man, I I mean, I can remember, uh, like, I worked in a rock yard. This is in college, and I was, I was reading like a madman. And I can remember, like, they, it would start raining. And I would run in the into the shed, and I would read, you know, this book. And all these guys be coming in there, you know, clowning, <laughs> you fucking idiot, you know, reading these stupid ass What you're reading for. Yeah, yeah. But see, I went through baseball, right? I, I had went. I had fallen off the horse. Nobody, nobody was going to kick me off it. I was convinced. I was sold. <laughs> I was all in and I was going to fucking do it. That is a good you know? thing I learned about failing myself mm -hmm. is you're not likely to do it again if you learn the lesson. Yeah. Yeah. You, you either win or you learn. Yep. You know, my mom, I, and God, I love her. I mean, she she's a girl. I always laugh. I coach with Sherry Swift, who I absolutely love, and shout out to her. If you're not coaching with her, it's a shame. Uh, but her and my mom, there's so much alike, you know. Uh, and But I laugh because it's um, – you know, you got to, you've got to be, you got to stay grateful. You've got to stay humble. They, they preach a lot of the same things, you know? And I think, um, again, it, it goes back to sports, you know, like that's what my coach would always say. Like, you know, you can have heroes and stuff, but why, you know, you, you should really be your own guy and really who you're competing against is yourself. Every day that you go to the gym, if you're not a better Matt than when you left, who cares what Rob did or George or Jim or, you know, the guy in the baseball card, it's what you do. Um, so again, you know, sports, I, I think, uh, translates so well to investing, to real estate and to business, you know, what do you think that attracted you to jujitsu and your, uh, sure. I'm assuming did that come into you in your adult life or did you yeah. start? Okay. So, well, one, and maybe kind of a funny story, uh, I like stories. Right. And by no means, this is the long podcast. So take your time. There's no short story here. Long right, story short. Right. We like long so, stories here. So I was, and again, now this goes back to to the void, right? So um, I get out of college and and I have, I had the best time, right? I went to Central Michigan University. I got a, an, an education. I was a B student, but I partied my ass off. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had a ton of fun. And but it was funny because I met, uh, I pledged a fraternity. I was in Theta Chi, and which was 
phenomenal. It was, it was awesome. And, but I, I, my pledge class, they, they became my best friends and, and they, they still are. Um, but what happened and, and I can still so vividly see it, right? So we were getting ready to graduate. We lived on main street and for all those who graduate college, everyone knows it gets pretty sappy at the end, but that's because of the, the relationships you build. But I, uh, I'm telling them guys, man, like, holy shit, like this last four years, I have no idea who Matt Stransky was, you know, and my nickname is Jojo. So I was really going by, by Jojo then. And they're like, what? And I'm like, dude, like, you know, and we're going through all these stories. I mean, the mayhem, right? And I'm like, I'm telling you guys, when I get out of college, you know, I'm done, you know, oh no, man, we're going to keep it going. And, uh, dude, I came out and, and again, going back to, to the real estate thing, I was so focused. I was, I, and I did, I, I sacrificed everything, friends, <laughs> uh, money, um, you know, watches, cars. I didn't have shit. I still don't have shit. I'm cheap as hell. And, but through, through the sacrifice, um, it, it, uh, in, in college, I just knew that, you know, I, I had to give up these things if I wanted to go where I was going. So when I came out of college, man, that's how I got into jujitsu, right? So, um, I had all this time I was searching for a job and, I can tell you some real good stories if you want to talk about my corporate life. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, but, yeah. But when uh, I got out, I did. And and what happened was is I, I had a little more time than I did in college. You know, I was teasing you about how great you must be at time blocking. So I said, all right, man, I, I'm, I'm going to figure something out. Well, I had seen UFC uh, on TV. Now, this is like in my like, you know, mid-20s, right? So I'm still much more of a meathead than I am now. I'm like, yep. I'm going to do that. <laughs> so I, uh, I told my mom and dad and they're like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, no, I'm like, I'm going tomorrow. And there was this place called Al Tracy's Karate on Hall and Heinrich. Now my dad had taught me how to defend myself. I was an athlete and to be honest, I'd, you know, been in a few scraps or whatever, but I never had any like formal training. Right. So I go in, I, I you know, I essentially like knock on the door. I go in the back and uh, I told him, yeah. And, and back then, or at least what I could find, it was called shoot fighting. Very similar to MMA. It's just a, a mixed mixed martial art bag, right? So uh, I go in the back and I said, yeah, you know, my name's Matt and um, I'm here to train and, and I'd like to fight. Oh, perfect, man. You know, so they give me the whole sales pitch and shit. They walk me around the gym. You know, it's nothing spectacular, but I don't know any different. And uh, so uh, they said, hey, if you want to come, come back tomorrow. You know, come an hour before class. We'll give you a free private, and uh, and then if you want to train after, you can. Hell yeah, man! So uh, I show up. You know, twenty minutes early or whatever. I'm super geeked. You know, it starts today, right? That's my just mentality. like today. You're twenty minutes early. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's you know, I'm, I'm here, man. So in um, looking back at it, I mean, they knew nothing, but they start showing me jujitsu, right? And he shows me how to pull guard and showing me half guard, side control and all these things. So um, we worked through some stuff and looking back at it again, I mean, it, it was pretty poor at best, but I didn't know any different. And uh, they said, Hey, do you, do you want to spar? Do you want to roll? I was like, hell yeah. You know? So <laughs> that's I pretty quick. And I, and I swear, man, just like a movie, this guy just kind of leans over and they're like, Hey, Tommy, the black belt <laughs> and out rolls this dude. Now, now again, I'm not the biggest guy, you know, I'm 150 pounds, one five, nine on a good day. Right. And this guy is, I mean, a Shrek looking oh, horned up. I mean, you, the ears tell the damage, right? I mean, this guy's been in a few right? cauliflower ear, all yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I screw it. You know, I'm in, I'll do it. Yeah. So, so man, we get in the ring 
and we tap hands. I mean, he, and again, I never wrestled a day in my life. I didn't do anything. And he high crotches me. Right. So basically just under, I mean, dude, this guy touches me to the ceiling, <laughs> slams me down. Right. And, and I knew enough, right. I guess, or I learned enough at that point. I like put him in guard and then he started rape choking me. So I'm like in his guard, your, his guard is where your legs are kind of wrapped around him. Okay. And, and now again, knowing a little something now, I mean, that's like the worst thing he could have been doing to me. That's about as bad as it gets, but I couldn't do anything. So I tapped out. I was like, wow, man, this, you know, this is awesome. He's like, you want to keep going? I'm like, hell yeah, man. Same thing. I mean, for 30 minutes, this guy touched me to the ceiling, slammed me to the ground, you know, rape choked me and it was over. So I, I, I kept showing up. And then the even better part of this story is the next day, next day, stand up. Okay. Now again, I learned, I learned how to throw a punch from my dad. I'd been in a few scraps, right? So he puts me on the back and I come in there and we're working jabs and, you know, combos, all, all kinds of stuff. And, and anyone who's hit a bag and especially can go back to the first day they hit a bag when you're done, so are your arms. Oh yeah. I mean, if you can wash your hair the next day, good luck. It is ridiculously difficult to hit a bag, even for five minutes when you haven't done it before. Exactly. So they put me on this bag and, uh, and at the end they're like, Hey, you want to spar? I'm like, hell yeah, man. So (laughs) you're not a no guy, are you? (laughs) Yeah. They're like, Tommy. And, and here he comes, man. Like shit. Yeah. You don't have anybody else. So dude, I get in there and I can still see it right now. It makes me smile a little bit, but I get in there and I am, you know, I'm dancing around. There's no way I want to be in front of him. I snap off a jab. I catch this dude in the nose. And from there on out for the next 30 minutes, he beat the shit out of me. Just (laughs) destroyed me. Right. So I hung around. I stuck around for two months. But after that two month mark, I'd, I'd played enough ball and I'd had enough great coaches to know something ain't right. You know, like no one's getting better. I'm getting caught in the same shit. No one's teaching me to get out. Right. Well, um, at that time, it couldn't have found me at a better time because this is when I was working and, and I don't know if I can do this, but I hate the company Centos and that's, yeah, you could do whatever you want, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's who, (laughs) that's who I was working with. And it just found me at a good time. I, I loved it. But then I kind of put it to the side. Um, I, I got into fitness and I did all that stuff. Um, a couple years go by. I moved to Arizona. And um, that's where I found martial arts. I was. And, and, and it is kind of ironic. But again, going back to kind of a void, right? I, I wasn't with my girlfriend. She's at home. Um, I'm away from my family. I'm a mama's boy. I was, you know, I was in a darker place. It was nothing negative, but I, you know, I miss some people. So yeah, going in there and punching things was great. So I started off as a kickboxer. I went in and started learning kickboxing and, and I loved every minute of it. I was around and I was living in Arizona. I was in the hotbed, you know, I didn't have any good coaches at the other place at the other place I was at here in Arizona. I had everything. So I was like, this is amazing, man. So uh <laughs> started having a ton of fun, trained about six or seven months, and then I did my first smoker. Smoker's just like an in a little in-house tournament and stuff. I loved it, man. I, I whatever, I fared okay, but I loved it. You know, I had the bug. So uh kind of a funny story. At that time I was working for KB Home and I was selling new construction. Well, the more I got into it, and and this can kind of lead into why I love jujitsu, but um Man, when you're sparring and and uh, you're beat to shit, you know you can't even spar stand up really at a hundred percent, you know, because you're you're beat so bad. Well, I would come in to KB uh, home, uh, home, you know, our little office, and I had a compact, and I was like covering up, and I even like have like a little black eye now, <laughs> but it's like I was covering up black eyes. 
It's like so, Fight Club. We and, don't talk and, about yeah, Fight Club. Exactly. And, and, you know, sales, that's all that matters. So I was Looked selling good. and they didn't care. But then eventually they came to me and they're like, Stransky, dude, like, what this are you fight, doing? yeah, like, well, you got to stop, man. And uh, so I said, all right, you know, so I, I kind of put that down. Well, then I was like, man, I'm going to go to this jujitsu. I see these guys rolling on the ground. Man, this looks cool. So, and I had had a taste of it, but they rolled in a gi. You know, gi is like the, uh, the little pajama suit. Yeah. Thing. More accurate, too, for a street fight, right? Because yeah, you're going to have well, clothes for sure. on. Yeah. And, and really, what people don't know, it looks like a dorky suit, but it's a weapon. Oh, for sure. And it's also a weapon for someone else who know, knows how to use it. So exactly. And and uh, But so I go to jiu-jitsu, and, and I get in there. And like I said, this is a hotbed now. So, uh, I mean, there's a couple black belts. There's a couple brown belts, purple. Um, very few white belts, honestly. So... I get in there and I do the class and I love it. You know, I, I enjoy the class. And then at the end, we, we stick around and roll. Um, and again, I, I've been an athlete my whole life. And even at this other gym, I, I definitely was no slouch, you know. So I get on the floor and I'll never forget it. I, I had a girl um, probably a little bit smaller than me, maybe 125, 130-pound girl. She was a purple belt. And she slapped my hand and just kind of like smiled and destroyed me. <laughs> just absolutely destroyed me and and i remember driving home and was just flabbergasted i was like i'm stronger than her i'm more athletic i'm you know i'm all these things but what i learned is i wasn't technical yeah so i became fascinated with it i only trained there for about another two months um i wasn't even in a gi yet and uh then i moved back to michigan i moved back to michigan to be with my girl and you know start our life right so uh, I move back. Well, no way I'm putting it down because, again, right? And I'm not. I'm, I'm an all-in guy. Not so, a quitter. Yeah. So I'm all in. So um, now I get to Michigan and I'm so spoiled. There's so many great gyms down there, so many big names. Um, I, I'm like, man, where am I going to go? Well, I get on the internet. There's nowhere. And uh, Joe Lewis, they were having a fight USA versus Canada. So I said, all right, man, I'm, I'm going to go there. Well, I got there. And within four fights, I knew where I was going. So everyone, and it's still where I'm at now, but they were, all the winners were from Mass Gym. And, and I knew enough at that time because I had good coaching. They had technique. It's all about technique, you know? So sure as shit, I, I Googled it. Um, I mean, you can do it now. Go to massgym.com. And the gym is top notch. It's even with the ones in Arizona I've been, I, I haven't seen anything like it. Um, did some, some research. My coach, uh, Big Don, uh, over at Fuse MMA, right? Um, he was my coach and he was a black belt, uh, uh, well, is a black belt in jujitsu, judo, tons of fights. And when I went there, uh, I'll, and I'll never forget it, one of the first things he said to me is, You just have to master the fundamentals. And I laughed because that's my life, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's all it is. There is no flash and dash. It's all fundamentals. And and all these things started pouring back that my coaches, the great coaches I had. So I said, hell yeah. So I went to Mass Gym. He put me in a gi. You know, I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, I got to explain. I'm wearing this to my friends and beating up people. No one's going to believe yeah, me. Yeah, especially you go yeah. back in time. Now it's a little bit more in the zeitgeist because they yeah. know at the UFC it's on Fox sure. now. It, it's but amazing. you look like a weirdo back totally. then, didn't you? Who's this and, guy rolling with men and, and wearing like a funny saying, shirt? Right? And I know you wrestle, like you're saying. And, and yeah, man, that's that's what's so cool about it. And the the reason that I love jiu-jitsu is because I didn't know shit about it. I love that. Like I, I love the fucking challenge. And and then competitively, I, I played sports, uh, but it was uh, team sports. I never had that one on one. And 
and being honest, I was, I, I was afforded a lot of the last shots and you know, all, all that kind of shit. I live for that. I love that. What I loved about the single, you know, aspect of the sport is man, I get every shot, Yep. you know, every, I loved it, man. No excuses. You either win or you yeah, lose, right? And, it's all on I, you. And that's it. And, and, and that's what I loved about it. So, um, what's kind of been interesting now with jujitsu is it's been so many things in my life. Um, and, and what I mean by that is again, when I found it, you know, it, it kind of filled that void of again, you know, trying to become a, an athlete again or, or something to grind to. Um, but now later in my life, right. I, I have a, a new boy, right. He's 14 months old, right. I mean, that shit is crazy. Um, and I undersold a hundred percent the <laughs> effort it takes in the time. Right. Um, they murder time jujitsu like when, 20 years. Exactly, don't they? Just, yeah, it's they done, man. It. Just, it, it's a wrap. <laughs> And but what what was so interesting to me is that when I first got into it, it was all about medals. It, it was all about winning. It was uh, it was a sport, you know. And and I fared well. I'm like sixteen and two. Um, sixteen and two in the jujitsu world isn't shit. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have buddies and and guys that I train with forty, fifty, sixty, hundred fights. Um, but it kind of leads me into where I went with jujitsu. So I got super competitive right up until I was about a purple belt. Purple belt, holy shit, my business starts taking off a little bit. Okay. So yeah, now I can't time block as much. Now my little boy shows up. I'm like a four-stripe purple belt at that point. Fucking shit changed, man. So I didn't have the time. What jiu-jitsu then turned to was a release. That's the only, and it's still the only place I can go in my life and turn my mind off. So I'm not as much a competitor as I was with it. Um, though now that my boy and I'm finding a regimen, I hope to get back to it. It's it, that doesn't serve me that way. And, and what's funny is, uh, I never understood the art in martial art, but it's an art and now I'm painting a different stroke. So it's, it's cool, man. And it's I think everyone should do it. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I like, I like what you said. Oh, it's a release. Yeah. I feel the same way about my farming, you know, like I, see, yeah. I pile it in and then I don't know, just need some physical release to get all that. I don't know. Maybe Maybe just you and me. I, I feel like a lot of people would benefit from it. Sure. For me, from farming, I just oh, go yeah. lose myself for a few hours in farming. I see all this and, stuff you're spicing up there. I want, yeah, I want to eat it. Oh the yeah, master over here. Oh, do it. Master. Hey, I, I've been desperately trying to get together like some. Uh, do you eat pig? I'll eat anything. All right, good. There's a pig coming sometime. Dylan right. Borland, he said, "I'll buy the pig if you roast it." I'm like, "Really? All I got right. an idea of the pig I want. It's an expensive pig." He's All like, right. "I'll buy it." There you go. <laughs> so I, I'll invite everybody over for that. I'm gonna need like a hundred people to eat this fucking pig. I can so, be one of the hundred. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I don't even it. I don't even know what to do with it. But <laughs> I like I like so this becomes it went from competition mm. to now it's something that keeps you yeah. writes you like a, a it, like a release I, valve. Yeah, man. And um, <laughs> I don't want it to sound this way, but I'm an aggressive dude, you know. And um, yeah, it's an outlet for that. And and the one thing that I want to stress stress is jujitsu is. Uh, <laughs> It's going to sound weird, but it's beautiful in that it's, it is destroying limbs and stuff, but it's, it's also the complete opposite. And, and what I mean by that is like with our, my training partners, right. Um, and I've got some of these guys, I mean, we've been hanging out the last four or five years, right. 
the beauty, and it goes back to kickboxing, right? I can only spar that 100%, or I can't spar it 100%, maybe 70, 75. Jiu-jitsu, you can spar 100% at all time. And, and me personally, I think it's so effective for that. It's very combative ready if you ever experience something because you win 100%. The beauty is I don't have to destroy my buddy's limb to know I caught him. You know, so I just tap out and I move on, you know, and, and it's funny. People are like, oh, you must never get tapped out. Of course I do. All the time. <laughs> of course yeah. I do, yeah. you know, and, and like I joke with my buddies who, you know, tease me, oh, I haven't got this on you or that. It's you will. And what it is, is, is the more playful you be, you become with it and the more accepting it needs to be playful. Um, you go for things. You put yourself in bad positions. I mean, you might give some guy, I mean, damn near your arm and that's the practice for today is to get out of it. So I love it. it it's very cerebral. Um, most people are like, that's barbaric, man. You just, you know, oh, dry hump each yeah, other. Yeah. You think you. that go, go roll with someone. Yeah. And, and it's, it's basically mock murder. Totally. Every time. It, it, a lot of people can't handle it. I think that's why they yeah. don't like and it. It's like wrestling. Now, yep. wrestling is a different hustle or different grind than um, jiu-jitsu. Wrestling is frigging crazy to me. You know, I was listening to, to Delia and the Steve, yep. you know, uh, podcast. Um, wrestlers are special people, man. You know, I, I uh, uh, the best way I can describe wrestling to my friends who don't get it is just imagine trying to push over a, a wall for five minutes straight and, and no breaks, no breaks, no whistles, you know, just go five minutes and push. And that wall might fall over you. Um, you're probably not going to move it all that far, yep. but that's what it is. Jiu-jitsu is much different. It takes energy a lot different. It, um, it, it basically absorbs it and I only use as much as I need, you know, and, and, you know, the big Gracie thing is keep it playful, but it is. And, and at the same breath, you can hit the switch, right? I mean, if I'm in a life or death situation, then yeah, I'm probably not going to let go of your arm or I'm definitely not even probably going to use your arm. I'm going to use your neck. Yeah. Just say you break yeah. your arm. So make it still hurt yeah. you. you. They go night, night. They're yeah. done. And yeah. you learn. And that's what I love. And, and gosh, I, I wish my buddies were here because we could tell you some good stories. But the guys who usually come in with, you know, the bigger muscle, the more tattoos and the more, quote unquote, street fights, those guys never last, man. And, and the reason for it is, and it goes back to the, the confidence we were talking about as a high schooler is, um, man, you, you better check your ego at the door because I don't care how big you are. I personally like fighting bigger guys. And the reason for it is, is they usually don't have the stamina as a little guy. So, uh, they force you to overcome strength yeah, and use you, your strengths against and that's them. It. And yeah. jujitsu is all about leverage. So, you know, the smaller I am, the easier I can, you know, get into something. So, uh, it, it's very humbling. And, and if you're not willing to check your ego, you'll never last. I've seen some of the best athletes quit because they can't handle getting beat by the nerd in the corner. And, and the funnier part is the more you train that, the more respect you build for fighting, you know, um, I always joke when I was a white belt and again, in my early twenties and still drinking and stuff. Um, shit, man. I mean, I wanted to wrestle all my buddies. They'd come home. Yeah, man. You know, and yeah, let's go. You know, and I'd be choking <laughs> them out and you know, we, or they'd be trying to choke me out. I remember one time on my bachelor party, I almost choked on a hot dog. Cause it's, you know, we were, we were idiots. Yeah. You know, then the more proficient I got, I was like, this is stupid, you know? And then it went from that to, Hey, we can, 
hurt each other. This is, this is not worth it. And you begin to respect fighting. You know, you don't want to be a street fighter. You know, you just want to be able to protect your shit and go home. Well, jujitsu too is real and wrestling isn't not the saying there's not sure. things you can't take from wrestling and apply it to sure. thing. You certainly can, yeah. but well, jujitsu is it. a death art, you yeah. know, and wrestling and is a sport. So it, it is in, but, uh, and you and Joe were talking about it on the podcast and I agree is the mind frame they have, even though a wrestler and, and I, I do jujitsu and wrestle with them all the time. A wrestler might not know as much jujitsu, but he is damn near one of the toughest guys in the gym as he comes in because he won't quit. Yeah, he probably he, won't quit. He yeah. won't quit. And and as a fighter, even if you're dominant, someone not quitting is a problem. Yeah. You know? So that's back to quitting on yourself. Yeah. Once you learn not to do yeah. that, that I don't want to fight do that guy. And, and kind of a funny story, I was actually laughing when I was listening to you guys because I thought about it going back to high school, right? So um, my dad, I, I again, you couldn't get a varsity letter as a freshman in my high school, right? It wasn't possible unless you wrestled. Well, fuck, man, I, I was interested. <laughs> you know, I was like, hell yeah. You had me at so, wrestle. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and I'll never forget it. Uh, Coach Drath, who is still over at Eisenhower, I believe, great guy, one of the best coaches I had, uh, surely in football. And uh, he came over, kind of gave the spiel to to me and a couple of my buddies. Yep, see you there, coach. You know, I'll be I'll be there tomorrow, man. I'm gonna get a varsity letter. So I came home and I was all excited and I was like, Dad, dude, I'm gonna wrestle. And can you believe this? They're gonna give me a varsity letter. And see me, my weight classes was probably so sought after. I was a little guy. So you know, my dad looked at me and he goes, No, he he goes, I'm telling you right now, someone's gonna put you in a move. Your arm's gonna be above your head. And they're going to break your arm and you can't play baseball. You know, you're a baseball player, not a wrestler. No, dad, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. He's like, all right, you know, go ahead. So I got there. And again, I, I'd never even seen wrestling. I wasn't even in the high school. I had no idea what I was showing up for. Right. You're smiling. Cause you probably do. I asked. Whooping. So yeah. yeah, man, I get in there. I got people on my back. I'm running stairs. I'm running through saunas. Um, but I, you know, I was cool with it. Weirdos know? wearing plastic bags oh, and shit, yeah. sweating you know, it out, spitting sh- in the water fountain, you, you know, know? <laughs> kids three years older than me wearing, sh- you know, these spandex shorts that yep. are still mystery. Right. And, uh, but I said, screw it. I'm going to do it. So, you know, I, I went through all that. I'm thinking practice is over and they're like, all right, now we're going to wrestle. I'm like, what? Yeah. So screw it. All right, man. I'm you get tired go. to practice. Yeah. I always thought that was weird, but that's exactly what you yeah. do. You wear yourself yeah. out, then you go and practice. We, and you have, and, and that's where you learn, right? You got to survive on technique. Yeah. But so I get in there and, and Mr. Drath, and he still does, he, he ran a great practice, you know, we're drilling, but then at the end we we're going to wrestle. So screw it. I mean, now at this time I'm, and I'm a, I'm honestly, I'm a pretty darn good athlete at that point. So I'm pretty conditioned. So I thought, and I mean, I'm about ready to puke, you know? So we start wrestling, and within two seconds, this guy's got my arm exactly where my dad told me it was going to be. And I remember thinking, <laughs> fuck, I'm going to break my arm, and my dad's going to kill me. <laughs> so, But I took my beating. And- this is like you're going to shoot your eye out, and yeah. then you almost shoot your eye out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So so then uh, I, I come home, and I mean, I'm just beat to shit. I'm exhausted. And my dad's like, how are you? You know, I'm like, I'm good. And uh, he's like, how'd it go? And I'm ah, oh, great dad. You know, I'm not saying anything. He's like, you need some ice. I'm like, nah, man, I'm good. I'm like, it was nothing, you know? Cause I, I don't want to show don't him. Even look him in the eye. Yeah. Look away. Right. So he finally <laughs> passes out him and my mom. I'm like, you know, I'm just like in an ice bath essentially, but sure shit. Right. I show up the next day. I'm going to, I'm going to get this varsity letter, man. Freshman. They don't get them. Right. I'm all excited. 
I showed up day two, same thing, man. I and you know I go through the whole thing, and, you know, dying, puking. All right, we're gonna wrestle. I wrestle two seconds, my arms right above my head. I'm like, you know what, man, my dad's right. Someone's gonna snap my arm off here. Yeah, and that was it. That was I never wrestled. So, um, man, I wish I had that. You know, I so think, much failure in wrestling. Oh, I, sure. I was never a good athlete, sure. but I was. I sucked for like three years. I, I want sometimes I look back and like, why the fuck keep I keep yeah, showing up? That's great. Like though, I just lost, lost, yeah. lost. I remember this is nothing more fucking humiliating <laughs> in my life. Was I took just a match with some some English school? Okay, and I wrestled somebody who weighed one fifty, and I was at one ninety two, the weight class okay. one ninety two, and he literally whooped my ass. <laughs> I didn't score yeah. a point. To your point about size yeah, and technique, and this matter. person was younger than me, smaller than me, but obviously had been wrestling much yeah. longer than me. And totally totally destroyed me and and again i i think even drilling back into business like with it it's all about technique man and and you know i think that that's the i think people see it a little differently now like you said it's more mainstream a little more known but back when ufc was crazy i saw the sport in it you know like it's it was real yeah but but it's also what i mean is it's not two guys just beating the shit out of each other it is literally two guys poetically beating the shit out of each other. There is a science behind it. So, it, it again, back, it, it's a very cerebral thing. I, I have so much respect for those guys as athletes. Um, I always try to explain, and, and I do. I have buddies who are pro fighters, and, you know, some are good, some are great, and some aren't. But they're they're still fighters, right? Um, the the hustle, the, the grind, I, it, I mean, I know what athletes do. And these are special people, man. And in the way I, I try to explain it, giving it, you know, maybe some substance is uh, imagine playing a sport that you got to be the best in football. You got to be the best in basketball. You got to be the best in base. It's everything. You know, you you cannot be a slouch. And I think what's interesting when I think back to the UFC days and when, you know, I was so hell bent on I'm going to do it. You know, that was like Matt Hughes. Uh, George St. Pierre was yeah. just becoming himself. Those guys, and, and, and taking nothing away from them, but talking about the evolution, where it's at today and where they're at, they sucked, you know, and I would never say that in a room here with them, follow me, but, but <laughs> they're way better guys, than I am. Yeah. They, and, and, and also probably the, the, the lineage wasn't passed yet, the, the talent, the technique, but those guys were just brawlers. You know, they had a couple good techniques. Matt Hughes had, you know, the wrestling. That's why wrestling dominated. Um, now, again, these guys are freaks, man. I see these little kids, you know, I, and I don't want, I, I could care less if my kid plays sports or does jujitsu. He will know how to defend himself. But I look at it some days, and and, it, and it's me being in his shoes, which isn't right. But it's like, man, can you imagine if my little guy starts doing this at like, oh yeah, it's it's crazy, you know. So um, just the progression, you know, it, it's interesting. Well, you said uh, too that that aggre- I don't know. You implied that aggressive mm-hmm. was a bad thing, well, and I think it's a great thing. I think I think it's a tool, right? Yeah. I have a lot of aggression, and not all of it is good. That is a good thing about growing up, right? That's why like, it's good why you're on the farm. Now. Yeah, yeah, you 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 need Always. an outlet for it. Some people, I don't know if it's everybody. I think it's uniquely male for sure. Mm-hmm. I think some women can be aggressive, sure. but well, I train with them. Yeah, they can be absolutely right. But it, it also could be a problem. To sure. your point, right? You need a place to well, it's direct it. You yeah, know? and it's funny you say that. And and again, you know, plug in jujitsu. Um, 
it is a, a big outlet for a lot of people like that. Um, the cool thing about jujitsu, and honestly, I experience it every week. Um, a class I might have, you know, a couple females, a young kid, a convict, a lawyer, a real estate investor. One of the new guys that joined a, a guy I'm getting to know, Frank, is you know a big commercial lender, and um, it's such a um, such a wide variety of people, which makes it fascinating. And um, the one thing that's interesting to me still about the sport, and and I'm like I told you, I'm not the competitor that I used to be. It's still not an uh, and I'm talking jujitsu specifically, but it's not, I don't see some of the best athletes I've ever seen, but it's, uh, I know it's going to get there, you know, and, and, and the reason I say that is it is more prevalent, you know, now you go to Arizona, man, I do. You, I, I see a lot of the guys that I remember playing ball with that, you know, were, weren't just tough, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's the, it's the evolution of it, man. Mm. Well, I think that leads right into you're talking about your corporate life too. So this is like your outlet. <laughs> oh, I can imagine if you Talk hated school aggression. and yeah, and, and then putting you in, in a corporate life, uh, how did that go? And how long did that last? I imagine not as long as, uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to imagine you working right so for someone like one and and it's funny, man. Um, and I know, I, I think every person who owns their own business or, or is really in what I would deem the business world, they hear from everyone like, oh, I can do that. You know, like I can do this. I'm successful in corporate. And, and, and you know what? Some of them can, you know, and, and I never take that away. But I think what they, they don't realize is they're meant for it. You know, um, they've got the right skill set. Um, I played the corporate game like a fool. Idiot. Now I come, I come from a blue collar family, right? My, my dad, uh, worked his way in his trade, millwrights by trade, him, him and my brother, um, a man's man, you know, good on his word, worked hard and the fruits of his labor were, were filled through that. Um, he became the director of the apprenticeship school and, and honestly in that local, local 1102, um, which I'm proud of, you know, um, my dad did, he, he had a lot of respect and like my dad said, um, not cause he deserved it, but because he gave it and it was reciprocated. Now take that, right? So I graduate college. Uh, I am, I'm super aggressive and I, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm about to be a millionaire in a week. I'm pretty sure of it. Right? Oh yeah. Hey, I remember so, that time. Yeah. So, and this is kind of my journey. And, and again, looking, looking back. In a week. Exactly. Why so long, Matt? Yeah, exactly. Seven You're lazy. Days? Yeah. yeah. You're going to work. Just Tuesday, dude. But, uh, so, so what happened with me and, and it was cool. I, I uh, secured an internship, and I, the company still exists, a company called PreviewProperties.com. I mentored a guy named Bob Bolin, his son, Scott Bolin. I believe Scott is actually uh, the broker there. And I, it was a nerd's dream, man. Everything that I was reading about, these guys were living and breathing. But what was, was even more interesting is it was out in Brighton. And nothing was out there. I'm talking fucking farm fields and Grand River was not even Grand River. So what these guys were doing was land assemblage, which was wild, right? I mean, these guys were buying hundreds and hundreds of acres at a time. Um, some real nerdy shit in, in Dragon Sewer, um, dealing with municipality. I mean, it, it was big boy stuff, big, big boy development. That's like big development, yeah. right? Path of progress. And, and shit. I, and I saw them, I mean, 500, 600, $700,000 commission checks. Crazy. I mean, 
I, I literally, I remember again, I mean, $130,000 check in the back of this guy's car. He's like, Oh, that's a little one. I'm just like, what? It's a little one. <laughs> now, now the market was crazy, right? So, so the opportunity afforded itself and they jumped on it. So I was around all these people. Okay. People still that rattle my brain every now and then, um, you know, Mr. Bolin will, you know, if I'm doing a deal, I might hear something, right? I, I do. And, but I was around these great people, these entrepreneurs. Okay. So, uh, making a real long story short and I wasn't, I wasn't ready to be a realtor. I sure as hell wasn't ready to be a real investor, even though I probably thought at that time. And, uh, but I decided not to take the position. So, and that was kind of a funny story because I was negotiating with Mr. Bolin, which wasn't a negotiation. It was more an execution, but you know, he let me play, right? So he let you, yeah, he let me play. So, so I'm telling him, you know, I need this and this, and it came out to only me needing about 30 G's, you know, 30 grand. I was like, I can go make this somewhere else. And he just looked at me and uh, he said, you know what? You can. And he said, you will. You know, he's like, I can't give this to you if you, and he was going to put me like on a draw. And, and I said, no, I, you know, I, I can't do it, you know, which was fine. Some, some of the best deals are the deals you walk away from. And, and that's what it turned out to be. So, you know, kind of laughed it off. We left. Um, well now I'm like, holy shit, you know, I got to find a job. So I'm like, Hey dad, Hey mom, you know, how do I find a job? And they're like, fuck if I know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Resume. What's a resume? Yeah. You know, the men in, in, out of love, you know, but they were like, you know, just knock on the door and, you know, we, we didn't have a clue. I, I was the first kid that went to college and, you know, and that should say it all right there. Right. So, um, I network, I'm talking to people and, uh, a girl that I knew in college is like, Hey, she's like, you'd be perfect for sales in Cintas. And if no one's familiar with Cintas, Cintas is the devil, Yeah, but they, they're the uniform company. And, and man, I don't, you know, I, I don't care if I'm selling Rolla. It didn't matter to me. So I said, all right, cool, man. So she set up an interview, which again, I, I still, I'm very appreciative. She, she sets it up. <laughs> I go in there and they kind of run the dog and pony show. Well, I didn't have any experience. And for whatever reason, and, and I'm sure you feel this, no one respects real estate. So all the shit that I had just learned, which was really some high level shit, they thought was ridiculous. And again, it fits back into that corporate yeah. compartment, right? That's where that shit belongs. So, <laughs> so put it back yeah, in that box it, yeah, and come over here. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, I'm not shit. Okay. Basically, they tell me, hey, we love you. Um, you can't do sales, but dude, we got this management trainee program. It's phenomenal. So now someone being very enthralled in business and honestly, especially at that point in my life, who's very well read, they sold me, man. And I, I fucking bought it. And, and what I bought is they said, you're going to learn this business from the ground up and you're going to become a leader. Perfect, man. That's what I'm here for. So, all right, man, I, I show up. Well, they, uh, there's so many components to that. And the first component, I was supposed to be in the back of this plant running about 50 to 60 people. Um, I started in the summer, I want to say around August. Um, and when I got there, they said, hey, you know, we, we need some help on this route. Rather than starting you in the back here, do you mind starting servicing the customer? And yeah, man, whatever. You know, I signed on. I'm and, a team player. And again, I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah, let's do this, man. I'll crush this thing. So I'm, you know, and, I, and at this point, I'm naive, so I'm excited, you know. I put on my uniform. I get to this place at like 5.30. The only time I really was going to five, I bet at 
at that or waking up at 5 30 is when i was staying up that yeah. late. i was still in my 20s right <laughs> so this was bizarre but okay you know so i show up and i'll never forget it and if he and god forbid i hope he's listening right but david packett i will i will never forget this dude so we come out and uh he's he's kind of disgruntled you know and he's a little bit shorter than me not the biggest of guys so we're we're getting our truck ready, right? So we're loading our truck and stuff, and uh, we we get going. We're on the road. I'm I'm not even to Hayes yet, which is like a tenth of a mile. It's 23 in Hayes essentially. And uh, he looks at me and he goes, "Hey man," he goes, "You're a management trainee." He said, "You're all a bunch of pussies, and none of you know how to work." And I just kind of looked at him. <laughs> that's what he opened that, with. And I swear to God, man, that's exactly verbatim how it went. <laughs> and and I just looked at him. And dude, I I you know now I'm totally thrown off. I'm in this truck already. And, uh, then right. And I just looked at him. I said, Hey, man, I'm 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 no bitch. You know. And and that's what he said to me. He's like, No one works. I'm like, Dude, I come from a blue collar family. I'm like, I'll outwork you. You know, and work hard and started laughing. Challenge accepted. Exactly. Well, the way it worked is on these routes, he didn't do uniforms. He did the rug pickup, right? Well, dude, this guy had the biggest route. And usually that route started at 6 o'clock. You're on the road. And he wasn't getting done till 7. You know, and he said, man, if you can get me home by 6 o'clock, you know, I'll be shocked because I'm going to be doing all the work. Da, da, da. You know, all right, man, fuck you. <laughs> so we get to it. And as we're, and I'm not kidding, we rolled off in, in two carts. We had like 60 rugs. Okay. And these rugs probably weigh, I mean, 10, 15 a piece, but, you know, times 60, that's a lot of fucking weight. So uh, we get in there and now we're loading up the dirties, right? You kick it all, you roll them over and shit. And uh, he's, like, hey, he goes, one rule, man, one way in, one way out. You know, and I kind of looked at all these rugs. Like, all right, man. Well, dude, when you're rolling them up, they, they're not rolled as tightly. They're not in the roller. So, dude, I'm like carrying a cart with maybe 30. And I'm not kidding. I got like 30 on my shoulder. And I'm just trucking it, you know. And I'm like, yeah, this is hard, but I don't give a shit. And especially then I'm young. I'm in shape. I start crushing it with this kid. And he's like, oh, you're not going to keep up. I'm like, finally, like by the end of the day, I'm like, fuck you, dude. I, I buried is, you. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, all right. You know, let's see how it goes the next day, man. All right. So I showed up. Well, dude, I worked myself into that job. So, he, and that's what it was, right? They're like, hey, we're not going to put you in the plant. You know, we want you to ride shop with, with Jeff. Well, cool. Well, then me and Jeff became really good buddies. And it wasn't because I was cool. It wasn't because I had a little pointy haircut. It was because I worked my ass off. You know, well, now I, I in, in that, the way the rotations worked, it was a two-year program, four rotations, six months apiece. So about month three, they're like, hey, and, and, and now the business side, and I already knew it because now I'm in this business. I realize how shitty it is. You know, I just fucking even think about it now. I hate it. And, and uh, they come to me and they're like, hey, you know, you're doing such a great job for your last month. We're going to build your own route. You're going to run and service your own customer. Fuck. You know, but all right, you know, I've only got two months and that, and that's what kept me driven. You know, I've only got two months, you know, two months turns into four. Everyone who loved me hated me in, in, in I'm talking the drivers. The reason they hated me is because I was taking money out of their mouth when they were dissecting these routes, they were taking money from them. And, it, and, it, and me, I was a salary slave. So they were making bank on my back. You know, so I, I rolled in again, this six month rotation turned into like seven, seven and a half. 
And I can remember driving in these trucks and no knock on the guys who are servicing the customer. They're animals. Yeah. You know, they're hardworking, good people. It, it was everyone behind the seat. Tip of the spear usually is. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm going to get to because <laughs> it goes down. Uh, later, <laughs> right. So uh, I'm, I remember calling my mom and, and almost in tears. And again, I think this is where aggressive is a good thing. I wanted so much more, man. And, and that's, what I kept saying to my mom, I'm, mom, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this is stupid, you know? And, and I was having confrontations at that point, And this is where it started is when I came back, when they gave me a route, it took me a week, but after a week I was finishing at like two 30, I'd get there at five and I'd crush it. No lunches, me and the Jeff packet rule one in one out. I would come back covered. In sweat. I mean, I look like I ran a freaking marathon, right? But I would come back and then these bitch, you know, uh, managers, I'm not calling them leaders because there's a big difference. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Huge difference. Uh, These managers and they would want me to fetch their paperwork. You know, well, again, baseball, you know, I fucking dealt with you. You know, you suck. You're not getting me off. No, I'm leaving. I'm going and I'd go home. I'd read books. I, I would I would. Uh, what what could I do to get out of here, right? And then then would turn to I'd go to the gym, you know. I would be done. My if you're going to treat me like a truck driver and not even have the decency to pay me, fuck you. Okay, well, corporate life again. Let's put that in the box. That doesn't work out. No, too they well. don't care for that yeah. too much. They like so, compliance exactly. <laughs> so so I'm already ruffling some feathers there, but it's because they're 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 using and abusing me and they're lying to me. Okay. And then what happened was, is then they're like, all right, we're going to bring you in and teach you some leadership. Dude, they get in there, literally conversations telling me that my, my people need to fear me. All the, I mean, the most bizarre shit, bro. What book were they reading yeah, from? None. Yeah, yeah, that was the problem. And, and, uh, that's like I the remember, Soviet book. Yeah. And I remember looking at him and I'm like, dude, I, I will not treat people this way. I would never work for anyone. And I would always reference sports. You know, I always had a player's coach. That's who I like to play for, you know, and I want to be that guy. I'll give you accountability and I'll, and my team will tell you, I'll definitely get in your shit if something's off and you've made a mistake twice and all these things we talked about. So they pulled me in it and right away, that's when I realized I am surrounded by a bunch of fucking morons, you know, and, and they definitely knew more about the business than I did, but they, they didn't know business a culture of morons exactly. too. It sounds so like I hemmed, I hawed another month went by and they finally kicked me off this route. Okay. So now they put me back in the plant. Well, in the plan, and, and I'm this kind of person, uh, I like relationships. If I'm going to work with you or get to know you. I'm going to get to know you, you know? So, um, these people who are hanging shirts for like $8 an hour, um, I got to know them. A lot of these people were, they were from Iraq and had horrific stories. You know, I'm talking families lined up on a back wall and hedge. I mean, crazy shit, you know? And what was so interesting is the more I got to know them, lo and behold, who would have thunk it, the numbers got better. And then that became a problem. They were pulling me in the office. Matt, what are you doing? These people are smiling. They're here to work. I mean, it was. This it is was, a crazy conversation it was crazy. to have. It was crazy, right? And um, even at that time, I wore a uniform and I, I still hate shirt and ties. I fucking hate them. God bless you for you, you wearing one. But hey, uh, I wear it for the results. Not I like it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But um, so they, again, I get into this leadership and it's not, they're not leaders. They're no one. And I'm, I just came from an environment 
of people I had mad respect for, dude. Guys doing big things, you know, that definitely didn't think they were sweet as these assholes. You know, it blew me away. So uh, I get into the back of the plant. And like I said, they, uh, they're they just hounding me. Now I know, they, and I knew it then, but they were trying to work me out of there. But again, I'm an athlete. Work me. Good luck. You're not going to work me. Yeah. So I, I kept sticking around. And then, uh, you know, wintertime comes and uh, – and I'll only use his first name because I'm a little more grown up now. But Rick, the the manager, uh, comes to me. He's like, hey, he's like, uh, you know, safety is a big part of the plant. And uh, we're going to need you to salt the parking lot uh, any day that there's more than an inch and a half of snow. I said, all right. And there was another guy that, like, ran the trucks and shit. And he's like, oh, he's like, and in order to save gas, he's like, I need you to salt it by hand. I'm talking a two acre parking lot, dude. Okay. So, and then like a little bitch, and this is, this is how the relationships that I formed there when is when he was leaving right out the door, he goes, Hey, he goes, I want you to remember. He said, when you're salting this parking lot, think about it like pizza. You can never have enough. Okay. Now I had, I, and I didn't care enough, but I had seen enough. I knew what a pallet of salt cost. 20, 25 grand. It was a lot of money. I mean, these things came in on like semis, right? Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> Five o'clock, dude. All right. Yeah. Pizza. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Hands, no truck. Okay. Fuck you. So, dude, I started uh, working and, dude, I salted this parking lot. I went through a pallet and a half of salt. This thing was like two inches thick. Man. You know what I mean? So, and, and dude, I, I got there, you know, and again, early, I was there at five. It was done by six before everyone came in. Of course, numb nut, quote unquote, my leader didn't show up till nine because he was doing nothing important. And he's furious, dude. Calls me in. Oh my God. There, you know, there's enough salt out there for two years. And Rick. It's like pizza, man. Yeah. You know, and then I, and then I, and, and, you know, I mean, probably not right, but I don't care. And uh, I said, dude, you know, you care about these people and you were telling me and you don't want anyone slipping and it's pizza and, you know, uh, so that didn't go well. So no, they didn't want to eat his own shit sandwich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and the thing, in the, the aggressiveness and the, the competitiveness and honestly, the lack of respect that I had for them. I never went out of my way to do anything wrong, but when you sent me a shit sandwich, I made sure you got a bite. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll choke this down with you. Yeah, exactly. So then, uh, what happened in, in my still buddies with them, uh, Wayne, um, I got sick. I'd been there about a year now. I never missed a day. I knew I couldn't, I couldn't afford to, or they, you know, they, they would have had a cause. Right. So, uh, I protocol was you had to call into the back of the shop by five and tell them, you know, you were sick, whatever, you know, check in. So same thing. I called it like four 30. I talked to Wayne. Hey, I'm not going to be in, you know, I've got, that's all right. You know, I've got the, uh, death flu. He's like, Hey, you know, no, no big deal. And, uh, he's like, just call in at noon. I said, all right. I mean, I, at that point could have cared less if the place burnt on fire, but I'm playing the game. So I called, Hey, everything. Yeah. Everything's all right, man. Friday, same thing, protocol, all that shit. And then just like office space, I get a call from uh, <laughs> my, my plant manager, Brian, who's like 33 years old at the time. And I and, fucking love that movie, by the way. <laughs> exactly. And and the message goes something to the accord of like, Hey Matt, uh, this is Brian. Uh, I know you're not feeling well and have been sick the last couple of days, but I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday and run a shift. He, and then like an arrogant dick, he he said, uh, cause I have to go see my girlfriend in college. He was dating a freshman. I mean, 
douchebag city. Piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. douchebag city. Yeah. So, all right, you know, I'm MFing him, but dude, I, again, you know, I'm all in. So, okay, dude. So, I show up, and there was this woman, and I won't use her last name because I'm an adult now, but her name's Rhonda. And I come through the plant. Now, I'm supposed to be the only one there. I'm setting everything up, right? So, again, I'm 30 minutes early. I show up and I see Rick's car and I see uh, this other woman's. I'm like, man, something's not right. So I come back and I see Rhonda and I read people, right? I mean, her eyes tell me everything. She looked at me like she saw a ghost. You know, I kind of look at her and she's like, what are you doing here? You know, I'm like, yeah, that's a good question, man. Like I'm dying, you know, but I'm here to run a shift, you know, when I play the voicemail and shit and she's like, well, Rick's here. I, I don't know if that's the case, you know? Well, right then and there I knew, okay, I'm done, you know, all done. So I go and uh, I knock on Rick's door, open up the door, and he's on the phone, as usual, probably talking to nobody. And uh, he's like, and he starts unloading, hey, I'm on the phone, you know, da da da, get, get out there. And all right, man, they told me to come in here, you know, you idiots, make your mind up. So you know, I go in the back of the shop and I just start working, man, you know, whatever, man, I, that's what I came for. So I start working and I'll never forget, it. I was bagging um, uh, the oil towels and I'm bagging them. I hear, you know, the door shuts and there's only two of us in there right now. I hear the door shut and all I hear is Stransky, Stransky. Fuck. All right. Yeah. So, you know, so, well, yeah, Rick, you know, and he comes over and he just starts unloading on me. You know, what are you doing here? And, uh, I, and again, I play the freaking voicemail I played and he's like, well, dude, you, you shouldn't be here. He's like, you need to go home. And on Monday, I want you to be here first thing to have a meeting. You know, and I was like, well, for what? He's like, well, we'll discuss when we're there. Well, I mean, the guy's a slime ball at this point. I already, you know, know what's coming. I've seen him oust many people. So I, I'm pissed. You know, I'm, I, I don't even feel good. I, what am I doing here? I hate this place. Fuck your urinal pucks and uniforms, you know? So I, uh, call my buddy Wayne. I'm like, Wayne, dude, they're going to can me, you know? And I'm like, I'm telling you, it ain't going to go well, you know? And no, he's like, I didn't want to say anything. They're going to move you to sales. No way. You know, and he's like, I'm telling you, man, I had the meeting last week. I didn't want to say anything, you know. I was like, trust me. So I came home, and now, again, blue-collar family, mom and dad. Um, mom, dad, I, if they fire me, I'm going to beat their ass. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, was, it was as simple. How old were you? Uh, uh, 24? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of 25. aggression. Yeah, You wanted some shit, and they were, getting, they yeah. were in the way. Now, being honest with you, and, and this goes into the man, and, and, and to be honest with you, I think a little bit of what a Stransky is, is, uh, man, I don't stand for a whole lot, but when you cross it, I'll die for it. You know, I really will. Like, if, if it means that much to me, man, you're going to have to bury me. You know, so I told my dad that, and, you know, man to man, he, he's like, why? <laughs> and he'd already known the stories, right? They'd seen how happy, unhappy I was and all this stuff. And, and they are. That's who I vent to. And uh, he said, hey, man, man to man. He's like, beat his ass. <laughs> you know? and, and that was it. And, and not, that was the world my dad lived in. Yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah. And, and real men handle things that way. And I, and I don't like condone violence. But when you were riding someone for a year and disrespecting them, other than physically harming me, you know what I'm saying? Like, Man, I, I at least the world I live in, and especially maybe at that younger point in my life, you deserved it. Okay, and I and I got beat up plenty. I mean, I ran my mouth in my neighborhood, like I said, sixteen boys. I, I got beat up, and so my dad said, "All right," and and there was really like no more discussion after that. It was just they knew they knew how I'd been treated. They they knew where it came from, right? So I'm like, all right. So I show up at this meeting and I get in there and uh, 
I, I go in, of course, numb nuts isn't there till nine o'clock. So all these women, okay, and all these people that I quote unquote was managing or leading were coming to me and everyone knew it was coming. You know, these women are bawling. You know, you're the only person that liked us and cared for us. And, and again, and, and in me, right, probably leadership qualities, right? I mean, so. Uh, yeah, God forbid you care about someone, yeah, even a little you know, bit. And, and, and I just kept telling him, I said, just remember, guys, you know, I did everything they've ever asked me to do. You know, okay, we, you know, we love you, you know, all this stuff. So Numb Nuts comes down. He, he's got a sheet of paper in his hand. They pull me in an office that's maybe like six by eight. You know, perfect cage, right? So they they set me in there, and both these guys. I wish I could explain it right, but very boastful. You know, very uh, you're a piece of shit, and I'm the man. You know, so braggadocious. They, yeah, exactly. So they yeah. they come in there with that, and they hand me this piece of paper, and they're like, "Read it." So I read it, and basically, what it said in a nutshell is that. My two call or my two no call no shows on Thursday and Friday served as the term of my resignation. And I, and the first thing I said is, dude, I talked to Wayne. You know, he put me in the book. I talked to him, you know, 4 30. I talked to him in the afternoon. And then I got a call from Brian even saying that I was sick. I played the voicemail. Well, we don't know what to tell you. Those are the facts. And then they pull out this mysterious book. And there's my name or no, there's not my name. Right. So I, I'm kind of sitting there and I'm taking it all in. And, and now again, these two numb nuts are, uh, Rick is to the right of me. And then Brian is directly across from me. And I turn to Rick and, uh, and he's just, you know, he's just kind of sitting there and I go, you know what, man, I go, fuck you. And he, he kind of looked at me and he, he said, what? I said, fuck. And dude, I, I'm telling you. And when I mean scream, I, I mean, top of my lump fuck you. And, and without getting too trashy, but I mean, I'm telling you, I told this guy everything. <laughs> okay. Where, where to stuff it. Right. F you. Um, well dude, and rightfully so, like I said, the way I grew up at that point, it's on, you know, you hit me with two by four. It's fair. You know, especially after what I had said to him. Cause I did, I called him every, every name in the book. He pops up, right. He jumps up. Now, like I said, this guy's smaller to me. So I'm like, Oh, this is, this can't be any better. You know, so dude, I jump up. This is back when I'm doing the shoot fighting. So now I'm like, oh yeah, you know, and I square and I, and, and like I said, this guy had every right to hit me. I kind of jump up and then dude, the look in this guy's eyes and, and again, right. No respect. Like I said for him, that's, I knew who he was. You, you can't manage out of fear. You're a, you're a bitch. You're afraid. And when I jumped up, dude, I mean, this guy cowered in the corner. Oh, my oh God, yeah. You know, don't. And, and I, and Brian jumps up and I was like, Hey man, he jumped up. I'm like. You know, and, and so everything kind of calms down, probably felt like 15 minutes it was probably only like a two or three minute ordeal. And, and then, uh, they're like, all right, they're like, well, we're getting you out of here. You know? So they, they're going to walk me out. And as I start walking out and in the first thing he said to me, we're not going to have a scene, are we? And I said, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I'm like, I haven't decided. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, the, so the way, the sorry, way, I haven't decided. Yeah, so, so the way, the way that the bay was set up is, you know, like a good assembly line. It came in over here and it came out over here. Well, from those two bay doors was about 30 yards, right? So I'm walking now, keep in mind the Iraqi culture. I mean, a lot of, um, um, grievance, right? You know, expressive. So I'm like, I mean, I almost feel like it's my funeral. I mean, these women are like faring farewell, like I'm dead, you know? And, but then I can feel him, man. He's staring me down. 
You know, now this is a guy who I literally just told where to shove it and told him a hundred different ways, jumped up, acted like he was going to hit me. And now is, you know, not tough enough to, but now he's in front of his people. Okay. And, and now showing what he taught, well, you know, I hated him, you know, manage out of fear, be all these things that I just have no respect for. Right. So I looked at him and, and again, all these people and now kind of like feeling my, uh, my opportunity, you know, to kind of be a leader and maybe in a fucked up way in my head, but that's really how I felt is dude, they need to know this guy's a bitch. So he's staring at me and I looked at him in front of, like I said, 50 people. And I said, I said, you think you're so tough? I said, see this guy, this guy's a bitch. And I said, he tells everyone to manage out of fear. I said, that's cause he's stupid. And I, and dude, he's just kind of looked, and then he's trying to puff up. I said, dude, if you don't look forward and walk out of here, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to whoop your ass, you know? <laughs> so, so dude, we, we get to the corner. Okay. And I mean, dude, I can still see it now. These two are looking at me like, oh my God, what just happened? I mean, they don't know if I'm coming back to Columbine. They, they don't have a clue. And all I do, and now I'm like I said, I'm I'm done. I've told you how I feel. You know, I, I've stood up for what I believe in, and uh, you know, I'm gonna go on with my day and, and be gracious. So I just looked at him and I said, "Hey, thank you very, very much for finally forcing me to do something with my life." You know, because I wasn't gonna quit, and there was no way you were gonna bury me. And then I left, and then you know, I fought for unemployment. I got that, um, but it was crazy. But it goes back to what I was saying in the very, very beginning of that whole rant is. What makes you successful in corporate never, in my opinion, I haven't seen it translate well to being an entrepreneur because an entrepreneur is so different, man. We're crazy. We're all a little bit crazy. And, and I think that crazy, um, the good ones harness it, you know, the, the ones who, uh, are hit or miss a little bit, you know, are kind of in and out of harnessing it, but these corporate people, they're robots, you know, like manager, not leader, you know? So, um, I mean, I had some crazy ones. And then after that was kind of funny. Um, I did some interviewing, right? So, and I mean, holy shit, how do you go? How'd you, how'd you leave? Right? Well, man, with a bang. Yeah. I'm right. Glad well, you, asked. you become a pretty good salesperson too. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I learned how to sell that, but then I wound up at rock finance. We had a disagreement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We just, yeah. Just a small difference. Some small, good at conflict yeah. resolution. Exactly. And later in my career though, believe it or not, the, the, the better the jobs I was going for, I actually used that as a huge selling tool. Cause it was that I was around so many negative leaders. I, I have had more negative leaders than I've had positive leaders in my life outside of sports. So I, I haven't been around a whole lot of good business. I've only people. had two good bosses my entire life, sure. period, end of report. Sure. A bunch of bullshit in between. Sure, yep. exactly. And and uh, and now that I'm at Keller, that's why I'm so grateful. I'm around a lot of great people. Like I've heard you guys already talk about it. It's, it's insane. Yeah. But then that was what was so funny to me is I went from that pretty pretty awful experience, right? I mean, really. And uh, then I went and worked at Rock Financial. So I worked at Rock, and you hear all those things. Oh, they're slave drivers and this and that. I was like, no, no, man. These, these guys just want me to work hard. 100 phone calls, I'll make 120. No problem. So, dude, I grinded it out there. And uh, then Rock Financial kind of dissolved. This is when the shit hit the fan. And so this is like 2007, 2008, right? Yeah. Yeah, think, okay. Yeah, right, right around that. I'd say almost 2008, late 2007. And um, it starts dissolving. So what they did is they took a bunch of the rock bankers, dwindled them down, and then sent everyone over to Quicken. So rock financials culture was a lot different. It was uh, – there was. There was a lot more um, – 
uh, freedom. I mean, that's just the truth of it. And, um, and it was a lot more face to face selling, right? So even when we were going over and it is, it was part of the Kool-Aid. It is what it is. Oh, you know, we're going to keep our culture here. Well, when we got to quick and it is, it is different. And, and, um, it just wasn't a fit for me. And, and the truth of it was, is I had had enough. I had a little bit of corporate experience. I definitely had a lot of real estate experience. And at the time, and I have no idea what they pay now, but it just, I couldn't justify it, you know, but I, the training that I got there and, and I, I hear Joe say it and, um, I lived it best I ever got, you know, ha- hands down, man. And what I learned at that place and, and honestly, I'm trying to implement into what I have now and, not nearly as fast as Dan Gilbert, but is the systems, the procedures. And what I learned there resonated so well to me is because it was an athlete's mind frame, work hard, numbers, time, uh, effort, you know, the simplicity is genius, right? That's where I stole that. It's, it's an ism beautiful, you know, and, and what was cool for me there is it let me kind of tickle both worlds. It was entrepreneurial, but it was still corporate, you know? And, uh, but then I decided, okay, you know, enough's enough kind of funny, right? So now I had this like booming exit with Cintas and I go over to uh, uh, Quicken. Well, dude, Quicken like walks me in there and they got like bodyguards and shit. And I'm like, man, what's going on? You know, they're ready for that. They've, yeah, had, <laughs> they've yeah, had this happen right? before. So they heard about I, you. Yeah. So I, exactly. Well, <laughs> well, and I get in there and he uh, looks mean. I don't want to roll with them. <laughs> right. Well, in, in, in there, uh, they, you know, why are you leaving? And I just explained to him and, but I was so appreciative. I, I was very grateful and still am. And, and that's what I was expressing. And, and this woman put the pen down and she's like, this is the nicest exit interview I've ever had. You know, and I and I'm in my head. I'm thinking, oh man, she's been around for the last one. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I, I wasn't mad. You yeah. didn't. You didn't attack anything at my core. You know, you just didn't pay me what I felt I deserved, and that was it. Just That's business. a pretty minor disagreement, yeah, and you were grateful totally. overall, and, right? And I'll tell you what, I sucked it up as long as I could because I, um, and it goes back to being an athlete. I knew the sacrifice. I was learning, you know, and I was always hungry, you know, and that's why I feel very fortunate to had this crazy corporate path. So then, okay, and this is kind of a funny story. This is how I get started in real estate now. So I uh, I start interviewing. And like every salesperson, I think probably even every entrepreneur, oh, you know, and that's still in a corporate, you know, bubble a little bit. I'm going to do medical device. I'm going to get paid, you know, and and hell yeah, you are. You know, you're going to make six figures for sure if you, you put the hustle in. So uh, I, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm just, that's what I'm going to do. So I set out, I get a recruiter, you know, every recruiter's like, dude, you were doing mortgages, real estate, and you have a terrible experience that we got to somehow tuck under about Cintas. No, dude, just get me in front of these people. You know, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then I had one chick and I I think her name was Amy in uh, California, the Culver group, I think. And she believed in me. She's like, I know if I can get you in front of the right person, right? All right, cool, man. So again, kind of cultivating a relationship. Well, dude, she does. She gets me in front of Stryker. And uh, well, dude, in in backing up a little bit, I'm the kind of guy, if you put a needle in my arm, tell me you're going to give me a shot or I'm going to the doctor, I'm passing out. It's for sure. You know, I'm just, I get Vesa Vega, right? So they start asking me all these questions on the, on the first call. Are you good with blood? Oh, hell yeah. You know, are you good with surgery? Yeah, man, send me in there. You know, whatever, dude. So, so I go through and, and anyone that has done it and, and respectively so, it's, it's, a, it's a long haul. They, they, they send you through the gauntlet, you know. 
So I do all this interviewing. They take you through a test called the Gallup and I pass the Gallup. Well, then they say, all right, you know, it's you and this other guy and we're going to send you in and we want you to do these case studies. And these case studies were like observing a, uh, a, a live, uh, you know, knee surgery, hip replacement, whatever. Oh man. So I am literally sitting at the screen, almost passing out. And I'm like, how the fuck am I going to do this? You know, but again, uh, dude, I'll, I'll make it work. I so, will my way through exactly. it. Exactly. So over time, and when I say time, maybe another month, I build up the tolerance for it. And, and it is, it's really fascinating, right? It's, it's amazing what they do. So I, uh, I luck out, I, whatever they, they say, all right, you know, we're going to offer you the position. You're going to sign your bid at Oakwood hospital with, uh, you know, the local rep over here. And, um, you're going to be scheduled to see a knee and a hip replacement your first day. All right, cool. You know, so I show up. I get in there. As soon as I see the hospital, I'm sweating. Uh oh. I'm like, this ain't good. You know? <laughs> so I, I have all the yeah, all the all the same feelings, man. So so I get in there and you know, I'm trying to hobnob a little bit, right? So he's taking me around and meeting doctors and shit and uh, I'm just the whole time like, I can't believe I'm fucking here, man. This is, this is nuts. So, uh, he's like, Oh, and the guy comes back. He's like, man, we were supposed to see a hip replacement first. I don't know. Something got messed up. So we're going to see this knee replacement. All right, cool, man. So they, uh, they take you into, you know, the, the room, right? Well, dude, it's nothing like you see in TV and really nothing like even I saw online. You get in there and it's probably a six by eight. I mean, just a, a cell. You know, you get in there and it's freezing and shit and they bring in the equipment and they're running through the equipment. I'm like, ah, this is cool. And then kind of like church, man, you know, the doctor shows up and everyone shuts up. You know? so, <laughs> so he he rolls in, you know, and gets his things ready, turned on a little music and shit, which I thought was kind of interesting. And uh, now they wheel in the patient. Question. Yeah. What music? Just out of curiosity. Uh, it, it's some like violin shit. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering if like, yeah, like mozart death or, metal or something. Yeah, like, nothing, I'm getting I, in the mood I, or something. Uh, I mean, I have friends who do it and I have heard that those exist. Right? Okay. Okay. And, just, uh, but anyway, so what threw me off though is they bring this woman in and, and she is, she's a bigger woman. They fire this woman off the gurney like she's a piece of meat. And I was just like, I was like, I mean, I'm talking limbs flailing and they're, I mean, they're like throwing this limb body up, you know, I'm like, this is nuts. So they, uh, that, that threw me off a little bit. And then they propped up the knee and they're, you know, doing their tests and shit and they cut it and all this blood starts going everywhere. And I'm like, all right, dude, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I didn't pass out. All right. All right. You know, so far so good. Yeah. And then two seconds later, they pull out this tool that cut and cauterized at the same time. The worst smell. Imagine like burnt shit, hair, fat. T- I mean, disgusting. <laughs> I mean, an aroma that has no place on earth. And I knew I could feel the the beeps on the machine getting really drawn out. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna pass out. And then the next thing I remember, and when and my wife would tell you when when I pass out, I, I'm like, it looks like I'm convulsing. It looks like I'm possessed. So I wake up. I have no idea where I'm at. You know, I got these two little nurses pushing me. I'm trying to get up, you know, no, no, stay. And I look at them, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You know? And everyone in the operating room, doctor included, just starts laughing. So, dude, I get out. 
<laughs> you know, they're like, oh, and, and I go through it every time. They're bringing me orange juice and crackers and shit. So I'm, I'm eating my stuff. And uh, the rep is looking at me. And he's only about six to seven months, like, in the Michigan Territory. He's looking at me like he saw a ghost. And I looked at him. And I'm like, Adam, I'm like, dude, I, I can't do this. You know, like, oh, dude, don't worry about it. You know, and I was like, no, no. Like, when I get a shot, the smell of rubbing alcohol, like, I pass out. He's like, dude, what are you doing in there? You know? I was like, you know, great opportunity. I got to try. He's like, well, dude, you got to call. And I don't remember the guy's name, but uh, the regional rep, the guy who did really all my interviewing, uh, he was in Texas. So, dude, I call this guy and, I mean, got the twang and everything. He's like, he's like, don't worry. You know, we'll get you back on the horse. And, <laughs> and I was like, fuck that horse, man. You know, and I started. They had a lot of time invested in you. Like, we got to keep this yeah, guy. Yeah. And, and I couldn't. Now, uh, and we just kind of laughed about it. He's like, you're crazy for going there. What is so fascinating to me, and again, hating corporate and all these things, Stryker was an amazing company. And what amazed me, not only what they were doing and products and people, but they uh, they tried to help me get a pharmaceutical job that was so irrelevant to them, you know, but they they believed in me, I guess. Different mindset, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it was cool. So then that Was happened. that like a keep it in the family kind of thing? They really wanted you, but they couldn't keep you there, so they just wanted- You know what? I, I don't know. And I'd been through so much shit, I, I sure as hell couldn't have figured it out at that point, but- but that was fascinating. And then that's really how I got started in real estate. So then I moved to KB Home or to Arizona to work at KB Home. And that's when I got started in real estate. And that's when, now again, kind of going back, right? So really when I was in real estate, it was like, oh, I'm going to be an investor. I was dealing with these realtors who were idiots. I mean, it was amazing. And what was even crazier is when I moved down there, it was when the crash started. These idiots were making like 5%. And I was making one and a half paying off a draw. So it was, I, I definitely You saw, were on the wrong side. Yeah, like, Holy I saw shit. a huge opportunity. Yeah. You know, so uh, then I came home. I, I did that job. Um, it was cool. I, I uh, you know, no no crazy stories to tell there. I just worked hard, sold sold a few homes, moved back. To These them. were new construction homes, right? Yeah. So you're working for a big builder it out was. west. And for me, it, w- it was a cool thing because it, it does kind of lead to what I'm doing now. Is Absolutely. I, I was going to draw it. Yeah. yeah I, I, I saw building. Being honest with you, um, I probably didn't take advantage of it enough, you know, being around as much. But it was very different. Um, what they build in Arizona is nothing they build here. It's post-tension slabs and laugh and everything's tile. You know, I have friends that flip down there and do huge things. And uh, I always laugh when, when I've been able to walk some of them, when, you know, I go there is, dude, this is tile. Like, I mean, some of the cheapest shit you can pay for, you know, it's not wood. It's not, you know, I don't got to sand it and put it down. And, uh, but I did that. And, um, then I moved back. And when I moved back, I was like, man, I was kind of teetering. Do I want to try to be a realtor? But the market was shit. And uh, so I went and worked for a staffing and recruiting firm. And this was the tone where I said, you know what? I'm an entrepreneur after this. So I went there. It was the only job other than Rock Financial and Quicken for the for the teaching, but the only job that I liked. And what I was doing is I was business development. I was B2B um, bringing in relationships so we could recruit on them. I loved it, man. I think it's important to believe in what you sell. And I definitely believed in it. It wasn't hard to wake up and try to find somebody a job. I loved it, you know, and, and I loved, I met with different businesses. One day I could be with military. The next I could be with a factory. Um, I, I did realize I, I meshed well with a lot of the people I was meeting, especially the factory workers, man, that was me, you know, that, that, that was my family. I, I related, uh, the guys that I met in the suits, eh, you know, I just, I, 
I was, I hated them. I just, that's just beyond. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was an entrepreneur. I didn't, you know, you could rattle off some of your stats, but what are you doing? What do you own? What do you, invest? you know? And so I, I did that. And what was so interesting to me, and this is when I solved my own riddle is it was a small company. I think if I have it right, I was like the 22nd or the 23rd employee hired and it was a minority owned firm. Awesome people. Awesome. You know, tons of fun. And what happened, um, when I got there, there was no sales team really. And they just hired me. There was two of us in Michigan, a third, if you count my director, and then they had another guy in Baltimore and another guy in Seattle. So I, what really interested me in the job is we met and this guy named Bobby Herrera for a company called Populous Group. He flew or he flew in, excuse me, when I started and basically had a meeting with us and said, look, there's no sales process. There's nothing. You know, we need to create it and hand it down as we scale. Well, dude, I mean, that got my entrepreneurial juices like, yeah, man, you know, so hell yeah. And dude, as far as a job, fat. I mean, I was on like a 60K salary. I could take three weeks off. It was amazing. You know, so uh, so when we were there, he's rolling out the process. We're going to do this. And I want you to read this book. And I, I recommend it, Accidental Salesperson. Um, read this. And then he gave us a stat sheet of like 30. And he's like, if you're going to be selling, you need to be know these. He said, in December, I'm going to fly you guys out to Seattle. We'll wine and dine you. But I'm going to test the shit out of you. You better know your stuff. You're going to role play. Accidental Salesperson was a level two sale. And it was all about seating people, about being effective to get in front of the decision maker and doing creative ways to do it, not just an email, right? And and all these things, all these tricks, right? So I would be on a call every week with the, the other reps and they'd all be laughing. Yeah, man, fuck that book. I'm not reading that book and joking about not doing the stats and shit. What I, a shitty attitude. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and dude, I read the book. It was phenomenal. I read it in a week. You know, the statistics, hell yeah, I was learning them. You know, it was going to make me a better salesperson. So, and again, and, and now looking back at it, what, what I was really bad at was playing the corporate game. Um, when those guys were joking and laughing, I was outworking them. You know, I was in the back of my mind. It was like, yeah, man, I'm going to get to the mountain first. This is easy. You know, no one's doing anything, you know, but what I didn't do was play the game. Those guys were building better relationships with my director. You know, this whole corporate bullshit that's in the back end they need to teach you that shit in college no one taught me you know so i get in there and i show up december right i get off the plane and bro i am ready to go you know one i've already got some some good sales numbers behind me and two i've been role-playing with my wife first call second sales call checking me on stats rereading books right all these things so dude this is child's play right so we get in there and i love it bobby was a, a boxer Right. And uh, he gets us into the office. He goes, all right, we're not showing any of you around or anything right now. Let's go right into the boardroom and quiz you. Hell yeah, man. I like this. Bring guy. it. Yeah. I love this guy. So dude, we get in there. I'm talking a 15 question test. I mean, elementary shit. And you've had four or five months or whatever it was to, to figure it out. Right. Not a whole lot. I'm looking around. I'm done with this test in two minutes. I've, I've, prepared for it, right? These guys and my director included are like stumbling and I'm just like, Oh my God, you know, whatever. So dude, you're on the wrong team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so, uh, but now, and, and again, being, uh, uh, 
you know, someone who likes to think they see opportunity, man, this is my opportunity, man. These guys are turds. This is great. No, they're going to cut you loose, man. right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Again, you can't have you making their rails look bad. Yeah, so, dude. That's what happens. So he comes in, and and I'm thinking, dude, I got one shot, man. This is the CEO. Hell yeah. And I and I don't care if it makes me look like a douchebag. I'm answering every fucking question. So I'm. Boom, I'm rattling off answers. So finally he he looks at me, he's like, dude, you're you you're not allowed. You know, you're you're done answering these. So all they're going and these guys are fumbling, dude. My director scored an 80, you know, an 80% on a test that he's I mean, this guy's supposed to be the leader. You know, he got an 80, and then these other guys got like low C's and shit. So he goes off, dude, and rightfully so, right? I mean, this guy's just I'm I'm and I'm loving him. I'm like, oh man, I I get this guy's passion. But everybody hates your fucking guts. yeah, right? Yeah, and I and I'm too dumb at this point. Okay, I, I again, I, I'm blue collar. I'm working hard. I'm showing results right now. So then they uh, uh, we break for lunch and shit, and uh, he takes us around. He winds us and dines us, and then uh, he says, "All right, we're going to do your first sales call, and tomorrow will be the follow up." All right, cool. So, hey, who wants to go first? I try to go first. Nope, you're going last. That's what he told me. I said, all right, dude, cool. So uh, they get in, and I and I know you've role-played, and I see what oh, yeah. you guys do as a team. I'm talking dog shit. I mean, no one's asking questions. They're just information dumping. What's the, even po- what's the point? Well, and that's it. And, and what was kind of the carrot or the golden goose for us was we were an MB firm, so if we couldn't get through the door, that's what I could drop. Hey, I know you need uh, minority spend. Let me in. Let me show you what I can do. Give me an opportunity and you'll satisfy that quota. These guys led with that. So like we were just talking earlier, content value. Yeah. They didn't have any of that. They weren't, you know, and talk so, about turning people off. If somebody led with that and be like, yeah, I'm not just hiring a minority to hire a minority. You better come with some better stuff than exactly. that. Yeah. And, and that's it. And, and I, and that's what I thought. I mean, and I still do. I thought the company was great. I believed in it. You know, it should be selling that, not that. That's just one little bullet. So then it gets to me and, and honestly, and, and again, I mean, just back to the athlete, I put the work in, man. I, I put the time. So now that the lights were on, I was ready to go. So yeah, I crushed it, dude. You know, I got in there and, uh, so dude, we leave, he's yelling at everybody, well, then we're uh, we're going to go out and you know have this nice dinner in Seattle. So my director is going to get in, in the car with him. He goes, no, no. He goes, I want to drive with Matt. All right, cool, man. And again, I'm fuck yeah, get out of the way, dude. You know, so I get in the car and dude, he starts just drilling me like, who are you, man? You know, and I, me and him start finding this bond with boxing. And we kind of like me and you were talking now about being an athlete and kind of who it builds and you know, talking about all these character building things and shit. I hit it off with the guy, dude. I, I've never, uh, I I never had a, uh, I guess a quick, but a, a, a relationship like that in any corporate setting that I worked with where I jived with them. You know, we were talking the same things. And, and uh, so, dude, I, I, you know, I was ecstatic. Sounds like he was a street guy too, worked his way up, oh, right? Yeah, he yeah, went, that's he, why. He, him and yeah. his brother. And, and they're both building a successful company. They're, they're kicking ass, but uh, they uh, uh, s- send us in there the second day. We do the second role play, and dude, it's awful. It's it's worse than the first because <laughs> they don't, you know, they don't even have. They didn't listen. You know, they have no value to bring back. They, so they didn't even go back and practice. They probably didn't even bring the fucking book no, with them, no, right? They, so there was guys, no hope. And I, and I don't drink, and and it's for a lot of reasons, but one of them is business, and and the reason. I, and these guys are getting loaded. Yeah, you know, and I'm just thinking, man, you you idiots, you don't get it. Like this is game time, man. You know, so I came in there and that was the half of the day.
say that the second half was kind of, all right, where are we going to build? This Sorry, game? I love that. It's game time. You're so fucking right. How many times yeah. you go place? Everybody wants to go play. I'm like, dude, you spent all your time to get yeah. here. Fucking time to yeah. put the metal where the meat's That's the it. meat, right? Let's do it, yeah. You know? And, and they got me, uh, he got me in and we're all in there. And he said, all right, he said, the first thing I'm going to do is give all you guys a letter grade, you know? And he went around my director, got a C plus everyone else got a C minus and he gets to me and he goes, he goes, you don't get a grade. He said, you get a nickname. He said, we're going to call you wonder boy. <laughs> and, and, I looked at him and he started laughing. He goes, cause it's a wonder you're the only one who knows everything. So, dude, in my head, I'm like, dude, this is it. You yeah, know, I, except he set you up to oh be murdered God, by these guys. Ever, yeah. So uh, I call my wife. I'm so excited. And, and keep in mind, I mean, the short couple stories I told, but, dude, I have not had a good road. I mean, I went through a lot of negative shit. And finally, I think I'm, I'm getting somewhere. And uh, so I call my wife. I'm all excited. I, we fly out. Yeah, you have no idea what's yeah, coming, do well, you? It, you here, have no idea. Yeah. yeah. So So I get home. And I show up on Monday. I get in the office, you know, about 10, 15 minutes early or whatever. And my boss is there. And that, like, never happens. You know, I'm like, what's he doing here? So, boom. He just comes right down to my cubicle. Hey, come here, dude. It's like, all right. So he was he was a bigger guy. I mean, he told me how great he was at basketball and football. Judging him by how he was in business, he was probably average at best, but whatever. And uh, he goes, he shuts the door. And, I mean, big guy, 6'5", big, big dude. I'm talking two inches, three inches from my face. You know, who the fuck do you think you are showing us all up like that? We look like shit. I'm your boss. You work for me. And I'm like, but now I'm a seasoned veteran at this point. Yeah, man. you know I, how to play this game. Oh, yeah, man. Nope. I'm not going to tell you to fuck off. I'm not going to you do anything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and then he said something and he knew how to get to me. He's like, you're an athlete. He's like, you know what you are, man? He's like, you're a practice player. I was like, what? I was like, practice player? And he, he said, yeah. He said, you're, he's like, you're not doing big things over here. And I was like, and I pulled out my account sheet. I'm like, I got more accounts than anybody. You know, now where he was trying to beat me down is there were no scripts yet. Well, they weren't hiring. But when they do, I got them. That was my job, right? So he's he's beating me up, whatever. I leave. I text. All right, call my wife. And uh, I couldn't text probably. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm gone. She's like, no, you know, Bobby. Nope, I'm gone. Yep. So I right away knew the following day I came back, and that's when I knew I was gone. They sent uh, uh, or he sent me an email, and on the email I had an attachment that said, like, sign this. And I read it, and it says I was getting written up for wearing holy jeans on uh, Casual Friday. Well, dude, fuck that. I own two pairs of jeans, and not one of them has a pair of uh, hole, you know, holes in them. So I'm like, dude, I'm not signing this. And I went in there, and now polite and more veteran and learning from my mistakes and but the same way yeah, simp- essentially I, I fuck just went you in there and now i'm different and that's what has changed my aggression is um now i'm just going to outsmart you yeah <laughs> so way so, better way <laughs> yeah way, you know it's you can't that shit of beating each other up being young and male is almost and i hate to say it a fucking disability yeah, like all that aggression and testosterone very, gets channeled the wrong very, way very, very often yes, yes. Very, very. <laughs> and and i went in there and i just kind of and i did i chuckled at him and i said i said i'm not signing this and i said i've already been down this road and i said if you want to fire me you're gonna fire me you know, but I am not signing anything. I'm the best guy you got. 
And I surely proved that, you know, at this meeting. Oh, you got to sign it. Trying to threaten me. Yeah. Whatever. Not going to work, dude. Yeah, I went back yeah. to my cubicle. Well, I already know where I'm headed, right? I'm, I'm on the way out. So screw it, man. Bobby Herrera, man. It gave me his email. I'm going to email this dude. So, and, and not only am I going to email him, I'm going to show him how great I am. I'm going to level two email him right out of this accidental salesperson. Send him a beautiful email, right? Loves it. Responds right back. And all I requested, I explained what was going on very briefly, but all I asked for was the opportunity to state my case. He responds, no problem. Um, you know, I, I'm going to get with Ken and then we'll have a meeting uh, in the morning or something. All right, man, cool. So I get there in the morning and I get there super early. I get there like an hour early. And I right away, because I know I'm getting fired, I start printing. They sent uh, like a brag account on the company, like uh, basically weekly. And I was in there a lot. You know, I was doing some okay things. So I, I printed off all these sheets and shit. And again, again, experience unemployment. I know I'm going to need it. And, <laughs> and, uh, so so they, they take me in the room. You're not prepared for me, folks. Exactly. And he starts to just, you know, unload on me. And I just looked at him and I said, look, man. I'm not going to sign this. You definitely don't intimidate me. And I said, business-wise, it is what it is. You know, if you got to let me go, it's sure as hell not with the performance. I would just like to know why. Uh, you know, he couldn't say anything. He'd yell, scream, sign it, no. So finally I said to him, look, go get Tom. Tom was the uh, the CFO or whatever. And uh, he comes in, kind of a, a much more calm, cool guy. And I said, look, man, I, I said, I've been through this so many times. I said, he doesn't like me. I outperformed everybody. I'm an idiot for doing it. And that's why I'm being, you know, like, oh, oh, no, it's not. You wore holy. No, I, Tom, I don't own any holy jeans, you know. So they just let me go, you know. So I, I walk out and, and no, no, guns ablaze. And I high five some people and fucking them out. You yeah. Know? So when much I, more older, wiser, yeah, better prepared. That is honestly, man, and, and God bless him. And I am going to say his last name because I love him. I love him for it. Ken Frierson fired me, and on that day he fired me, my life changed forever. Yeah, thank because, you. Totally. But I, I, what it was, man, is um, – and, and it, was, it was such a fucked up time to get fired too. I was just engaged. Tell people that you're getting married to – you know, it, it fucking sucked, right? But yeah, that, unemployed loser. Yeah, I can't keep a yeah. job. Well, Looking great. And, Thanks. And this is where it's headed. <laughs> is I'm sitting in my car, and it goes back to what I said and what I tell my team. Uh, if you can look yourself in the mirror and say you're doing everything you can, then you can live with that. You know, and if there's shit you got to change, you got to have a high enough uh, level to to see it and to change it. I was looking, and I, I'm serious, man. I was looking in in the rearview mirror. And I'm like, dude, I'd hire a hundred of me. I would, you know, and, and I laughed a little bit. Yeah. You know, there might be a couple, you know, here or there, but dude, it, at the work ethic, you know, all these things, right. All these things. And again, sports related. Right. So finally I said, you know what, dude, fuck it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to start and I'm going to be a realtor. I'm going to start investing. Fuck everybody. Took you long enough. You know, yeah, right. Well, and that's why I was joking with you. Twelve yeah. years. Yeah, mine's close, right? So I don't know why sometimes we was it we repeat the lessons until we learn them. Yeah. I guess you just had to do this that's a few it. times, right? You know, and, and I had the experience <laughs> too. So then that's when I started, man. And and right then and there, and and I have my family has a CPA. Shout out Ted Ted Funky and uh, and Matt uh, Rackley. They they've. Uh, they've helped my family and we're, we're the smallest fish they have. I mean, um, but just grateful. Right. And so I went in there and I said, you know, Ted, man, I'm going to, I'm going to start a real estate company. And he's like, 
you're fucking nuts. You know, like this is the crash. You know, this is, this is Dude, the, it's the best time ever. Yeah. yeah. And, he, and I said to him, I said, you know what? I said, I've been through dog shit. You know, I've been, I've worked with people I have no respect for. I'm not a corporate person. I will never succeed in that environment. And I said, dude, I'm going to do this, man. It's all right. You know, good luck. And I, I think half of them thought maybe I do it. The other half, you know, probably didn't care or whatever. So I went and dude, I, I started doing it. And I, I, and that's kind of what spun my real estate career is I worked at a small outfit uh, here in Royal Oak and I had a, a friend that uh, owned it and I knew the value. And this is why, and, and I get it asked all the time, like, why would I join a team? You know, why, why I can do it myself and, and you can, you know, and if you've got tenacity and aggression and, and honestly, what I'm learning money, you, you can do it. The, the advantage to starting off on a team is just that it's a quick start. You get the knowledge, you get the processes, you get the opportunity to make money. So I knew that I went somewhere where there wasn't a team concept, but they did a lot of property management. Well, in my head, I knew the phone would be ringing. And that was important. Um, I also knew my strengths. I was not the person at that time who was going to call my sphere, who was going to lean on my family and on my friends. One, like I told you, and uh, the sacrifice, I give up a lot of my friends, man. You know, I, I wasn't going out and especially in that I became an athlete in jujitsu and um, I didn't have a lot of people to go to, um, but I preferred the cold call and it came in from, you know, from Quicken. So, dude, I huffed it. In my first year, and I always laugh because, uh, and I joke with Sherry, and I suck at empathy, man. I have none. I'm working on it, but I, I don't have a lot when it comes to work. And, um, man, I, I went there. I sold, uh, I had like 50, I don't know, 49, 52 leases, and I sold like three homes, you know, but I, hell yeah. And, and the funny thing was, is even though the money wasn't right, the environment was, and I, and I could see it. You know, I, I even there and it wasn't whatever it was, what it was, but it, it you're um, like, this, this is a fit. Yeah. This I, is maybe me. not exactly, yeah, but th- this is being me. around this and exactly. in this. Okay. And then, like I joke and uh, my good buddy that works with me now, Randy, he, we talk about it a lot. When you make these big changes in your life, you generally get back a lot of resistance. And like I said, that was yeah. crazy too. when I was starting because, um, and I have a wife and I love her and she'll listen to this, but she's a fucking employee. You know, no way, you know, she doesn't want to start her own thing. And, um, you know, when, when, (laughs) when your fiance, uh, has been fired from every job, it's almost kind of natural. He's going to say he does real estate next. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're not looking so hot, man. Exactly, man. (laughs) That's that's sure bet. It's not looking so sure. Back to what we started with is dude, I wasn't going to quit, man. You know, I went through it and, and, and what was kind of interesting and, and I feel very grateful and I think, it was God's way of working it for me is um, there was no other choice. You know, I had already went that other choice and it didn't work. You know, it, there, there was no option to be successful in corporate, you know, and I still believe that in my heart and I believed it that day. So I went after it. And then every year my business grew a little bit and, you know, now I'm kind of where I'm at today. I mean, over here at Keller, I'm, you know, I'm, I think I'm ranked 10th, which sucks. I mean, I'm a small fish in a very big pond. And like I always joke with everyone. That's good for growth though, right? Hell yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where we're at. I don't need medals. I need piles of cash yeah. in my bank account. Well, and here's what's interesting, right? So, and and I love her. And again, plugging her, Sherry Swift. Um, I, when I started coaching with her, me and her kind of laugh. I'm, I'm not, and again, aggressive and competitive, all these things I am. But I'm also... 
uh, I look for balance in my life, you know, and before I had my son, being very honest, I had what I wanted. I, at that time I had started flipping. Um, I was living my dream doing that. I was being successful at it, which was even better. Um, I was running my own shit. I didn't have some nagging boss that I had no respect for and telling me to dress for success and all the shit. But when I came to Sherry, what I didn't have was big dreams. You know, I, and that's what's fucked up. Like I kind of accomplished everything I set out to. You know, because I I wasn't in yeah your dreams weren't big enough. Joe, right? I mean, fifty, sixty. This guy's talking a hundred million and having real estate companies everywhere, right? It took me a while, and and I remember, and again back to Sherry laughing, and she wasn't laughing then. We're only laughing now, but she's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" You know, not and she doesn't talk that way, of course, but you know, what what are you doing? You know, you're you're uh, you're selling yourself so short. And I never had bit all the way in to being a realtor. I was an investor, you know, and I and I do think investors, all of it. us look at real estate agents a little differently, and I still do, you know. And and I was like, Sherry, this is bullshit. You know, like this realtor <laughs> stuff, this is crap, man. And that's what I would tell her. Like to me, yeah. real estate is the investing. I'm talking spreadsheets. I'm talking uh, formulas. I'm, uh, you know, I'm talking gritty stuff, man, not – Oh, you like your house and yeah, you know, all, all this cute stuff. How would you rate this on yeah. a scale of one like to she 10? She said to me, she goes, Matt, she goes, one, she goes, you're not even running a real estate business. And I was kind of offended, you know, because I was doing like four or five, four or four and a half million, like in my sleep. Like I could, I could do anything I wanted and, and sell that, you know. She gave you a hard check basically, yeah, right? right? Like- and then, and then guys like Jim and, and even Joe and, um, and even Pat, um, you know, are you intentional with your business? Yeah, I sold four and a half million, you know, but no, far from intentional. Well, then that's what happened. I came over here and, and I was, I start. I see it as a business now, you know, I'm building a business. I personally, and it does, I want the money and, and I'm going to get it. And, you know, that's part of the goal, but I'm more in it to build it, man. I, I look at it and it goes back to, again, the start of everything. It's a sport to me. You know, I want one of the biggest, baddest teams just for that. You know, I, I want to have it for that. And, um, and the cool things that I've experienced in the short time through this are amazing. And propping my girl out now, like uh, an agent that works with me, Coley Hotelling. I mean, seeing this girl and her progression and she she took care of one of my past clients who I love. Shout out to Mo. Um he is now working with her and they're going to start rentals. You know, they're going to start buying and holding. I love that, man. I, I, I feel very grateful to just be such an integral. You got another small, one for us. Yeah. Pulled another oh, one. Dude, yeah. this, this girl's a beast, you know, and I hope she is listening. Cause, um, she's, she's the real deal, man, you know, and, and, and not only as a realtor, but as an investor too. And that's, what's cool. I, I was joking. This is Randy and Linnea, my whole team, but I like it. I like being around her. She, she gets me jazz. She gets me fired up. Um, she, and dude, I mean, she could tell you, and, and that's where I'm kind of at now. And, and I hear, I remember hearing Joe talk about it last year and Jim and, um, becoming a leader of these teams is, is a very, um, a very a big challenge, you know, a lot bigger than I'd ever given it credit for. So I enjoy it every day. That's what gets me going. The the money's cool, but honestly, and especially uh, maybe not so much this year, but usually I make more as an investor, you know, and that's kind of been different. And um, and I'm, yeah, and that's a big switch that totally. a lot of people don't realize. You make way more on the investor side totally. than you do on the realtor totally. side. So. But, I, but I will say this now, and and um, 
a properly run real estate business, you know, these real estate teams, I think can be more profitable uh, than an investor. And the reason I say that is um, it's a little different, right? If opportunities shrink as an investor, so to, you know, so does yours, where a realtor, everybody, everybody, any climate, any time is eventually going to need a house. Now, there might be ups and downs, you know, and, and what's funny is I can hear Jim, uh, you know, a few years ago, tell me, you sure, man, you sure you want to? Yeah, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to be an investor. I'm going to do it, you know, now. And, and that's where I'm kind of envious of these guys like Joe and um, Jim, not that they don't have other business opportunities. They do. But I'm very in the middle, you know, like I think in this year, I've been trying to be very conscious of it. I think I'm 70 percent realtor. And thirty percent investor. I think it'd probably be even more fifty-fifty if the the uh, market was better this year, mm. you know. But I see a lot of advantage to it, you know. And and I think uh, even as you you know, as a realtor, they go so well together, you know. I think it makes a lot of sense to be investing in what you're selling. I, I know it, you know. I don't. Um, and I, I was funny. I, I heard you guys. Uh, talking about like Warren, you and Joe and Steve, like you don't even have to comp the house, dude. You you know it. You, yeah. You know the footage, and and that's kind of where I'm at with investing. Like, um, I'm very niched, man. I I don't go out of the corridor, you know. And people, are like, oh, you're missing shit. No, I'm not missing anything. There's opportunity everywhere. Yeah. You you what was the quote? You got to know what. Uh, let me see. The art of being wise is knowing is is the art of knowing what to overlook. You can't do it all. Exactly. You have to restrict your options to focus. So exactly, yeah. and that's it. And and uh, and really, when I looked at it, I knew that I couldn't be running a project in Shelby and selling real estate in in Royal Oak. So I kind of married the two, and and that's where I'm excited. I'm excited where we're headed for the future. You know, and and the biggest part in the um, where I'm at as a team is kind of like these other power teams. I'm building my bench, you know, and, and it's cool because it's, it's that sports thing again. And, and we have this thing on my team and that's what we always say. No fucking turds. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No turds, you yeah. know? And, um, it's fun, man. It's, it's like it's poison. Yeah. I mean, would, I can't remember where I heard this. I mean, if you take a glass of water and what if you put like one drop of toilet water in it? How would you feel about drinking? Sure. Just one drop. That's yeah, all. I, yeah, I don't want no, I'd pour shit. that fucking thing yeah. out, right? Like, not one. Not one. Yeah. And I, and I think it's uh, it's interesting. But the the investing is uh, what and I was telling Sherry this a couple of weeks ago. What, what's really interesting to me is I think I have an equal passion for the two, which I would have two years ago. I would have told you no way. But the reason I have the passion for it is I am. I'm building a business. Like, like it was so cool. Last night I was looking at my profit and loss statement. You know, fuck. I'm like running like almost 65% margins, which is great, but not good enough. You know, my goal was 20 million. I think the team, I think we're going to settle somewhere around 12. Not good enough. You know, so I love it. It's, it is. It's a lot of fun. Growth opportunities, man. Totally, man. And that's what I'm excited. Like, I think what makes our team a little bit different is we're not established. So hopefully these people I get in, not only are they going to be great agents, that's great, but I need leaders. I need I need people to help me build layers to get this up. So kind of going back to that story of Populist Group, you know, and, and right now Coley and Randy are that, and, and Coley seems to have her hands in it maybe a little bit more, but they're, uh, they're learning to become leaders. When we bring new people in, I mean, not that they don't get my time and, and, uh, and, and love, they do, but... Man, these guys are here, and and Coley. I mean, I bet you she'll sell 
somewhere close to 30, you know, 32 homes, somewhere in there. I mean, girl's a rock star, you know. So I'm excited for that. It, and that's kind of what uh, – and again, now all this jiu-jitsu shit and fighting and all this crap we're talking about. Um, when I started working with Sherry, um, it, it was kind of funny. Like I could I could feel these changes. She would say something like at the end of my session – um, you know, I just go home and think on man. And, and what happened and, and I'm, again, I'm so grateful for her is she changed my mind frame. It gets back into me t- saying earlier, I wasn't a big enough thinker. Oh, I got huge goals now. I mean, and, and the old me would tell me I'm insane, you know, and it, and it's her. And, and what was really interesting is, uh, a couple of times, I don't even mind being honest about it. Like, dude, I was in there bawling. I mean, I'm talking to the point like I was hyperventilating. And and what it was is, dude, I had all this shit that that wasn't even bad. And and but it was stuff my parents put there. And and what I mean is um I grew up and I had the most euphoric childhood. I mean, my mom and dad showered me and my brother with unconditional love. I never had all the nicest things, but I I was smart enough and loved enough to know I didn't need it. But what they taught me is that money was kind of a bad thing. You know, I didn't, I didn't talk about my money. I remember I'd asked my dad a couple of times, what do you make? And it was like, (laughs) you know, knuckle sandwiches, you know, get out of here. Wow. And, and what that's real hardcore blue core, uh, blue collar mentality, right? Totally, man. And you know, money's the root of all evil and all this shit. And, and she helped me break those down. And since I've broken those down and it took some time, I mean, I, it really took me time to, cause I love my parents more than anything, my brother, um, and, and, and the respect that I have. But again, it goes back to the mirror thing. I had to look myself in the mirror and say, you know what, dude, this is fucked up. You got to change it. And now that I've changed it, I'd be an honest man. I feel pretty bulletproof. Like I think all of us do. I can do anything, man. You know, and I just got to decide I want to, but I never had those, you know, like we did. A, and I and, and I tell everyone, if you're not a Keller Williams, you're crazy. Um, me and my team just went through Ignite. I didn't graduate. I had a couple things. I bought another house that I had to kind of attend to. But um, that in there is phenomenal. You know, in there, you got a splash of Sherry telling you to let this shit go and stuff like got to be in the right environment. You know, and that's why I'm so grateful coming over here that um, I feel like I'm in the right environment. I always joke like um, when I came over here, you know, and Jim was a big part of getting me over here. I, for whatever reason, really lucked out and he kind of took a liking to me when we were at this other place. For those listening, that's Jim Schaefer. All right. And uh, he he helped me go from there to Remax. When I was at Remax, I hired my friend and. It was a shit show. It was like, yeah, I got a bunch of leads, man. Good luck. We're going to close a whole bunch. And, you know, I, I did. I wasn't, I was being a manager and not a leader, right? So I was just managing workflow. And uh, Jim's like, dude, you got to get over here. And I saw all the great things he did. And, uh, but when I came over here, it was like baffling. Cause, cause I'm an entrepreneur and I'll be honest. I mean, with my flipping thing, I'm pretty fucking guarded. You know, it took me, it took me four and a half years. Now, nah, maybe not four three and a half, four years to build my team. And, and that's a lot of trial and error. That's a lot of cut joices. That's a lot of, a lot of shit, you know? And, and I know my business is only as good as my team, you know? And that's why I've always, and I've worked hard and I've done it. I've expanded my crews and stuff like that. I think it's important, but, um, you just, uh, the team concept, you know, you're only as good as the folks you have. I guess is what I'm saying, you know. Well, yeah, that flip thing. If if, you, if somebody hasn't done it before, man, whoo, 
Well, I laugh because like, and again, I, I guess, sorry, I got sidetracked, but bring me back to my point is everyone was sharing here and it threw me off. Like I, like I just started doing uh print advertising. Right. And I'm like, man, you know what, what to do? And I got Pat Teeley giving me a flyer. I got Jim. I got, uh, I mean, anyone. And I'm like, dude, like, are they, like, and, and I'll be honest, right? Cause you're a skeptic. I'm a skeptic too, a little bit. I'm like, are they trying to sabotage me? Absolutely. Is this, like, is this yeah. like a really low performing flyer? But it wasn't, you know, and it's just such a cool environment, you know? And, and like I said, going back to my guys having the Ignite program to plug into, it's, uh, and if, and if you're a veteran and you want to start a team, then hell yeah, this is the place. And, and that was kind of the lesson for me this year. You know, um, what I think I did, um, what I think I did okay at as a leader is, is teaching the work ethic, you know, uh, Coley's got it. Randy is definitely embracing it and, and putting more of that into practice. Um, but I kind of sheltered them kind of to a fault. And, and again, back to being a leader and looking yourself in the mirror, eh, not the best, you know, I kind of sheltered them from some of this stuff. So man, I, I look forward to next year because we're going to plug in, you know, we're going to take all the opportunity. And Joe said it to me a few times, you know, dude, what are you here for? You know, go to the class, you know, and okay, you know, I, I'm in, you know, and there's just so many good things around here. It's, it's a bizarre culture. You know, I heard you guys again. Oh yeah. Podcast. No, they're the very Kool-Aid. tolerant of, uh, yeah, I don't drink all the Kool-Aid, Yeah, but I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah. either. Right. Yeah. It is, first of all, a very tolerant environment. Could you imagine doing what I do, what you do yeah. at some of these other places? They'd be, I've been. it's terrible. Yeah, they'd be like, "What? What are you doing? Like, get, psh, get." I, I so they're tolerant, and and I always laugh. And it goes back to when people ask me about you know the team, but uh, and why and why to do it, and you know why Keller and and all these things that they all ask you. But uh, I laugh, man. When when I left my other outfit, you know the smaller one, and I went to Remax, I in in no knock on Remax, it was it was sweet. It was a great gig, and uh, but I laughed. It was such an improvement to have a working fucking scanner. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that was like, whoa, dude. You know, and I and I thought that was it. And um, but that's kind of what led me here because and I heard you guys reference, you know, a few of Gary's books, but um and it, and if you're gonna flip, you need to read the book Flip. I tell everyone to read it, no one reads it, and I think that Dude, the whole series is excellent. Yeah, the and, whole you got Yeah, every R-E-A, book is amazing. Things, yeah. And and uh and I just read them, and that's when I in I started thinking, all right, Jim's telling me to go here. Jim's being successful. You know, Jim's business is growing, da, 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 da. And then I, and then I really started thinking, all right, well, man, this flip thing is, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right. And, and then I started breaking that down and I'm like, well, dude, I was following Gary's book. And well, I've kind of been following MREA, you know, I, I trust this guy. I might as well go over there. And when I made the jump, I was kind of laugh, like, it's kind of like a, you know, you had a hot girlfriend already. She's she's pretty good, you know. And then you had this other girl who's like, hey, you know, like one's a nine, one's a nine point five. Yeah, and you, <laughs> you really don't want to break up with the other one, but you're not sure. And and I would, and and Jim and Natalie do such a good job growing the office. But it's uh, you know, I meet with them and I think about it. I meet and think, and and then eventually I was like, all right, man, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this other chick and see how it goes. And I don't, I don't ever see myself leaving, you know, and then I, and that's the question I always get, you know, well, dude, you're an investor and, you know, you build and why don't you own your own and fuck them? Don't share anything. And, you know, I, I think they're not seeing the benefits. Yeah, they, and, they don't get it. It was really easy for me. It was really easy for me because, um, I mean, it wasn't the best corporate guy, but I think I'm all right at business and, and, uh, 
for $21,000, I can start a business over here. And that's all it takes me to cap. So that's pretty powerful, you know, and they're carrying my liability. They're building a beautiful, you know, million dollar building, whatever the hell this was. And yeah, there's some brand recognition. Probably about 2.5. Yeah. My guess. Yeah. Yeah. Close. And then, um, and then moreover, oh my God, I can brand myself. You're telling me I can put your little logo in the right hand corner. I'm in. Yeah. So to me, it was a no brainer, you know, and I, and I've got a couple of buddies that have started their own and, um, you know, not that they've sought out my advice, but, um, I knew where they were headed, man. Cause I'd already done the legwork on where, where they wanted to go to build a brand is no joke, you know, and, and I'm trying to build mine and it's no joke, a lot of money, a lot of time. And I think that's the beauty of what I saw in Keller is I can build my own thing, but I can crutch it up right next to Keller. I can, if I can't sell my team, I'll sell Keller, you know, and I do, I think everyone should use a Keller Williams agent, whether it's my team or not, of course you should use us. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, and it, it's, it's, always and be I, closing. And I think the the teaching here is is what they get because it is it's it's all about the service, you know. And I think that's communicated really well at other places. That's what I saw. It was more uh, it was more money. Yeah, it's interesting. So about your 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 flipping business, yeah. you it's not just flipping. It's almost like. Quasi builder, quasi flipping, because you've done some too fucking cheap to be a builder. Big projects, yeah, big projects. No, but in yeah, but but this is what I will tell you is uh, in back like an athlete, right? Fundamentals going going back to that. Um, I when I started and and not knocking people, I mean everyone starts where they would choose to. But man, I would have never started here. You know, like I and, and you being a realtor, you know. You get a call and yeah, man, I'm going to, you know, build in $400,000 house. Oh, cool. How many have you ever done? Oh, this is going to be the first one. It's like, how the, how the hell do you start there? Okay. So that doesn't seem like a natural starting spot. And I don't, and I don't think it is, you know, um, what I will tell you is that again, mine was very fundamental, very methodical. I'm a very conservative investor and, and I've actually learned that through getting to learn, uh, you know, this whole MERI thing and, um, um, I'm, I'm almost, and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm checking myself. Am I too cautious? But what in leading into it, right? And this is, was the caution. When I first started, I bought a little $80,000 house. And when I say I, my family, cause I sure as hell couldn't afford it. Um, but I was that little kid, you know, or well, not little kid, young man, but being a little kid, like, do we got to do this? Do we got to do this? Do we got to do this? And my parents at that time, I had, you know, I'd sold some homes. I'd done some leases. I sure as hell was showing them how hard I was working. And and what was cool about all of it is my mom and dad, uh, as well as my brother, this is their dream. This is their passion. Kind of funny, when I went to college, I wrote a letter to my family. And that's what it said. Dude, I'm going to school. and We're going to figure this shit out and come back out, right? So when we started, um, I just, I mean, perfume on a pig is what we call it. We did nothing. And I always laugh and we talk about it almost monthly is when we first started, I'll never forget it. We got into this house. It was a, a 1118 4th Street in Royal Oak. It was a, a little ranch and there was a little like pony wall that was separating the kitchen. We're like, dad, do we got to move this, man? We got to open it up. Like, Fuck no. You know, it's in this wall, you know, now. Probably that answer is came from more experience. He was right. Dad, there's just a switch. I went down there. Me and Chad looked at it. You know, there's just a heat run. Dad, let's do it. Oh, fuck. You know, my dad. And my dad will tell you, he he's becoming, but he was never really a businessman. I mean, he, he's a blue collar guy and 
and kind of like me and what he taught us is he saved every fucking nickel, you know? So, but do we remove the wall, you know? And I, and I can remember, I can remember my dad stepping back and I could like see it. And I'm like, yeah, do that. That wasn't so much. Right. So and then the next house went to the next house and, um, can't remember if it was Royal Oak, Berkeley, wherever, but we're, we're removing a wall. Now we're going to open up the dining room totally. Oh man, I don't know. You know, dad, we just did this. All right. You know, so we did that. And my dad and brother Hank Steele, so we knew about headers and shit. We did it ourselves. You know, we put in a header. We, we overbuilt the piss out of it. I mean, we put a header. That's what you do when it. you don't know, yeah, man. Exactly. You over engineer. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, so we got in there and then we did it. You know, we did a couple more like that. And then we said, all right, man. And, and I brought it to my folks. I said, dude, this is the next step. And, and I did a ton of study. You know, I studied all these guys who were building Royal Oak and, you know, doing big things. And, and what's kind of funny about that house on 4th Street is I can remember me and my dad, my brother, and my mom, and they're kind of slaving away and almost by God's good grace, but they were building uh, a big ass house in the back. And I was like, Dad, we're going to do that shit. No way. Like, this house isn't even done, man. And I'm like, oh, damn, we're going to do it. You're and out, you're out stripping your family's yeah, ambition. Exactly. Oh, you're coming with and me. Like, yeah, hell yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but that's what we did. And then, and then I started off doing a little dormer, you know, and I cut off half the house and I learned how to run heat runs and, uh, really what you learn being, and that's what I would call myself. I'm just a really large reno guy is that, um, they're kind of like we were talking earlier when we we're coming down. You fix shit, you know. You don't, um, and I haven't done it yet, so maybe I'm wrong. But new construction looks pretty easy to me. What doesn't look easy is digging basements. That costs forty grand, and I don't like that. Yeah, you know, thirty grand, forty grand. But better to buy one with a basement. Well, and, yeah. and this is it, you know. And and it's funny. I think you had Robert Howard on your show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, well, not yeah. I'm trying to get him okay, on. I'm trying well, to get good. him on. Robert, yeah, you, you yeah. Do. great guy. But it was funny because he's and, shy for some reason. Yeah, well, he shouldn't be, but he. uh uh, I met him through being a realtor and me and him were kind of kicking it. And um, I gave, I, I was the one telling him, dude, you got to chop these things up a little bit. You know, you're going to get more opportunities. And, um, and I, and not just him, I'd had that talk with others, but um, in there, like I was explaining, it's, you know, you don't build a big one until you chop away. And, and you know, Robert has done plenty of small ones. So we just took it in levels. It just very calculated levels. And the one thing I'll tell any flipper that's listening to this is you're only good as your exit strategy. Yeah. And what what was always very prevalent to me when when I looked at the numbers is I knew the bigger ones were more hedged. I knew it. And the reason I knew it is that I had so much profit left over on the bone that dude if I hit and I and in my head and I actually had a guy uh Facebook me and asked me but um I $10,000 is kind of my oh shit fund. And to me, if you're ripping something apart, really the only thing you come into is something structural, 10 grand, you know, using it as like a safe number. Or I I always check the sewer line, but if, you know, I don't know, I got a bad report, 10,000 for a sewer. But when you're tearing them apart, they're hedged, you know, and the reason that, uh, and, and I don't want to way that say I sold my family, but the way we, the way I sold the vision and the way we went is, when I can start adding footage, I can quantify it. I can literally quantify the dollar I'm spending now. So if I say I'm adding um, whatever, uh, just a small one, say 500 square feet and whatever, all in, it's going to cost me 20. 
And at that 500, you know, I know that I, you know, I'm going to get X more amount of dollars. It makes it very easy to run my numbers. So again, if it costs me 20 and I'm going to make 60, hell yeah, I'm going to do it. You should you know? spend 20. Yeah, you'd spend yeah, 20 to make. I only make yeah, 40. absolutely. Yeah. So um, how many times can you do that? Exactly. And and then with the bigger ones, then we made the jump there. And, I, and I'll tell you, dude, like everyone, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, it was scary. <laughs> you know, and, and dude, it's terrifying. It is. And, it, and I always joke like um, flipping, flipping is the most risky thing you can do with real estate, you know, and I think the older I've gotten and a little more veteran with it. That's where I'm asking myself now, am I being a little too cautious? Because I have a good formula, you know, and and um, I know I'll never go outside of that. So, man, I, I feel that I could open it up a little bit. But back to the exit strategy, the big ones, that's it. You know, the meat is enough on the bone. And then I always, and this is what I love about not digging basements, if the shit hits the fan, I'm almost at break even. I usually build them somewhere around 280 to maybe like 320. And that's where they were going in the shit of it, you know? So I feel very guarded. Like when you get into the littler ones, man, you feel a, a $4,000 pain feels a lot different oh, yeah. when you've only going to make 25 on the back end. And then the other thing that I would try to stress to people, anyone new that might be listening is learn about taxes. Fuck. You know, you, the, the pie in the sky, at least for us and in my team you know, as I try to make a hundred every project, and I can tell you it's a it's a unicorn. He's out there. I've wrote him a couple times, but he doesn't show up. At you're not house. aiming for a hundred, yeah. uh, You're gonna well, you're gonna be is, sad person. Well, and this is and that's it. And and but with the 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 margin again comes that that level of risk. And when you're doing your numbers, you got to know that even if you make a hundred and you sold it in you know less than a year, you're gonna pay short term capital gains. You know, hopefully you choose the right person in office next, but they're raping us. I mean, we're, we're getting cut 30%. So now that hundred, if I lucked out and I hit the unicorn and I make a hundred on a rental, I'm down to 70. Now I got to pay a realtor fee. Holy shit, right? I lose 25 right there. That hundred down to 70, it just keeps going, you know? And I think that's where I've seen a lot of people get eaten up. You know, they, they're not good with their numbers, you know, it's, um, and, and I joke. holding costs too. a lot of people, totally. the cost of your money, the cost yeah. of keeping the project going. I got why. murdered yeah. with stuff, just not getting done on time. And that's man. it. And that, and that goes back to your team, you know, and, and, and I do, I feel very grateful and blessed to admit the, the people I do. And like I always tell everyone, I don't have the cheapest guys, you know, I have the, I think the best guys for a very fair price, you know, and, and dude, I went through labor disputes. I've, I mean, you name it, I've experienced it, you know, but dude, you've got, if you're, and you know, if you're in the business, you grow some nuts, you know, you're, you're going to do it. And it's not as sexy as HGTV. No, they make that shit look stupid. Anyone can do anything if they put their mind to it, but it's not for everybody, man. No, you know, it's not And the buy and hold is where I want to be. I had one and it was kind of cool story, but I, I, you know, I flipped it to myself. I made a bunch of money. I rented it. I made good chunk of change. And then I started Stranskin company and I was like, holy shit, this is going to take a lot of money. And I had to pay $2,000 for this dumbass flyer. So I liquidated it. Mm. And the problem with it is I gave up the cash flow. but I think what I'm building is that, and kind of laughing and propping out my girl, Coley, we play the game cash flow um, as a team and not as much as we should. But what was really interesting is I was playing that board game and I'd already, I was, Back and forth on liquidating, you know, this, this rental to get the cash. 
and uh, to, to build Stransky and Company. So I'm back and forth. In this game, if you're not familiar with cash flow, but it, it's basically you've got the rat race. You're trying to get out of the rat race. There's opportunity cards. And these opportunity cards, it can be stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, and all these things. So I'm looking at it, and, and I am. I'm trying to acquire it. The way you get out of the rat race is your passive income exceeds your expenses, and you're, you're financially free. So I'm looking at it, and I and I had the opportunity, and I don't remember what it was. It was like a widget company or something, and I could buy this company for I think it was like five grand in the ROI, and they calculate all this on there, but there, it was uh, unknown, you know, question marks, and that's it. You're starting a business. You have no idea. You could hit the moon, or you could be eating, you know, tuna packets for the rest of your life, right? So I uh, I thought about it. I bought it, held on to it. Maybe three cards later. They pulled and someone wanted to buy my business for 150 grand. Fuck yeah. So dude, and and I'm such a, um, I make quick decisions. (laughs) You know, when I feel it, I'm, I'm gone. You know, I, I believe it and, uh, and I'm very calculated, but when I, when I trust my intuition. So dude, that happened. We got done with that board game and I told my wife, I'm selling the house tomorrow. And I did. I sold it and I, I think I, and we'll see, you know, but I, I think that, should hopefully flower into something pretty nice here. So it's cool. well, you're not uh, spending it on uh, vacations and oh, it, no, yeah. See, that's it's and startup that, capital, right? Like I, and that's it. And and the thing and the thing that I learned why most people aren't entrepreneurs. Um, and I'm not talking somebody who's telling you because they all tell you, but the you got to sacrifice shit, yeah. you know, like, dude, I, and I still don't, I mean, I you I, give I, up a lot. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I know there's some people here in at Keller who don't love my sweatshirts all the time and shit. Um, but dude, that's, see, I look at it differently. I don't own shit, you know, and, and I want to, and I want to acquire rentals and own shit, but not what you own. I don't, I don't care if you got a Beamer. I don't care if you've got the nicest dress slacks, I don't care. Those are things that I'm willing to sacrifice in my life. And, and I did, I sacrificed friends. I sacrificed time. Um, and I definitely sacrificed the finer things. And I'm lucky that I have a wife who was on board, you know, that girl, I mean, when you, if you ever see her, look at her wedding ring, what a piece of shit. Straight up, man. I mean, right out of a Cracker Jack box. And it goes back to that story. It'll get bigger, baby. I promise. Yeah. And, and you know what? And that's why I love her. And she's like, I don't even want one, you know, and, and I, what I love and it is who we are. And it is about the sacrifice. When we look at that ring, that means something, you know what I'm saying? And, and for me, that was one. Yeah. I'm going to marry this chick when I was like, yeah, you know, dude, I, I can't really afford. And, and I'm being honest. I think her ring was like 3,400 bucks or something. Okay. And I, in my opinion, when I hear that, that's a lot of money, you know, that's 10% down on. $30, Significantly more than I spent on my wife. Yeah, yeah shit. right. Well, yeah. whatever. And and I mean, I have friends that you know, and, and God bless them. They work hard for it, and that's how they want to spend their money. But um, when I look at it, those are the sacrifices. And I did. I gave up a lot in my life, and and I don't even think I'm anywhere special. You know, I I don't like. I always tell people, man, I'm you know, I'm a guppy at this point. You know, looking at what a lot of these people done, and and even the flipping thing. I mean, Farhat, that's here, right? Shit, dude, I, I studied that kid. I mean, that kid, I think, told me 54 homes in Royal Oak. And, um, yeah, that, that's, that's, that sounds good, man. <laughs> I, I like to do that. And, and that's what I'm excited yeah. because, you know, my team is growing. And then really what I'm hoping is that I'm going to be able to put all my time and energy really into the real estate side. And my brother is working on getting his builder's license now. So whenever it happens, it happens. There's no, it's a rush. family affair. Yeah. And, and really what it is, and, and I looked at it hard, and, and again, looking in the mirror, is 
if if I'm going to blow this part of my business up, I need a partner. And and I have partners, I have investors that invest with me, but I'm their guy. I do all the accounting. You know, I I timeline everything. I deal with the GC. You know, I I am the GC rather. I mean, I'm lining it all up. You know, now with my brother, you know, hopefully walking in, he's a millwright by trade, way smarter out of the gate than I am. Um, that's where I hope I can put it on steroids and kind of my, you know, hopefully my model and my team model. That's hopefully what I'm building. I would like to be kind of known as a machine and don't be surprised in, you know, a year or so if you don't get a flyer and it's Stransky property brothers or something. I think, I think <laughs> yeah. it could be a great caveat, you know, to, uh, to sellers, to people who want to do real estate. Hey, you want to, you want to flip your own home like the show and, you got the cash and we can explain to you how easy it is not, you know, and, and walk you through. Not easy at all. If you, if you want to. So why do you think I wholesale, man? I've been yeah. on both sides. Well, and dude, and Let see, you guys get that hero money. Yeah. Let me tell you. But you guys, you guys are smart because the, the funny thing is, uh, kind of observing all you from afar. And that is who I am. Like when I got into that circle and on the website, I just sat back. I posted a couple things in there. Cause honestly, I want some of these hard money guys to know yeah. what I'm doing. And, uh, but I've just looked and I've learned a lot. I was like, wholesaler, what the hell is that? You know, and now I realize, oh my God, I mean, outside of having me on your awesome podcast, dude, any deal you said, I mean, I got money, you know, I would love to buy them and, uh, kind of a cool story, right? So kind of doing what you guys do and I got the bug for it. Um, we mojo all the time, you know, we do that in the morning and dude, I'm mojoing and, uh, and you guys, I'm sure do it. All right, man, 15 more calls, whatever, you know, whatever your number is. And I swear to God, maybe I'm number eight. Guy picks up, older guy, and uh, you know, I get into my spiel, whatever, run my script, and he's like, "Yeah," he's like, "Dude, actually, you know, I've got this house in Berkeley, and you know, I fucking don't want to deal with it, you know, and all this." And then I start talking. I was like, "Well, what's your last name?" You know, I'm like verifying everything on the back, and it's Durst. Well, it's Mister Durst from Durst Lumber, you know, which is over in Berkeley. I mean, he, dude, this guy. He's built Berkeley. He's bought and sold everybody under the table, right? Great guy. I God, one of the best deals. I enjoy getting to know him, right? But it was a mo- it was just a cold call. Yep. Dude, I went over there and I had all intents to list it. And I went over there. I was like, nope. I was like, Mr. Durst, I really want to buy this house. And he said, Well, I've got an offer at 125. And I said, Mr. Durst, I will literally, I'll liquidate everything I own. And if you're going to allow me to pay that, and but I was honest with him. I said, dude, that's low ball. That's dog shit. You know, and he said, well, what will you give me? And I said, let me go talk to people. But I said, honestly, I have no problem. I hope that wasn't my offer. I don't think so. I don't recognize the name. (laughs) But I I, I said, I have no problem paying 140 for it. And he kind of looked at me. But again, business, honest, going back to all these fucking Cintas people I hate, right? Like, I'm not that guy. I don't need to rape you to make money. Now, I also think it was the art of the deal, right? He's no idiot. This guy knows what the house is worth. You know what I'm saying? But but I did. I gave it to him. And it was kind of funny because um, talking about aggressive and tenacity and shit. Well, I called my family. I was like, dude, this is it. You know, and you were kind of teasing me on the way down there with the fuck show we have going on Columbia. Yep. Right. Well, I called my dad. I was like, dude, dad, I, this house, we got to buy it. You know, I'm like, there's no way of fan. Oh, my God. And I, and I told you, my dad's, you know, not he's growing. He's growing. But, he, you know, he's, he's not there yet. And, Take some uh, persuading. Exactly. Yeah. So he came over and checked it out, and 
I know him and my mom talked about it seriously, and me and my brother said we'd throw money and, and all these things, but we were already tied up in a house, and, and we're not. I mean, even as well as we're doing, we're not loaded. You know, we're we're still putting our money back into our business. It takes a lot of money to flip, too. Hell yeah. It takes a it's lot of money. Level, yeah. Right? So, so uh, um, I said, Dad, and I just looked at him, and I go, I will lick your balls <laughs> if, if, I, if I don't buy this house. And he just started laughing, and sure as shit, and dude, I got on the horn, and and I'll be honest with you, I came in the office and I believed in the house so much. I mean, I did. I asked some people that, you know, it was nothing more than a knock on their door. Like, hey, dude, you got $200,000. We can make about 60 grand. You want to do it? You know, and, and you know, being honest, Tony, Tony was one of the guys that I went to. He went and looked at it and definitely thought seriously about it. And, you know, I brought people and then, yeah, you know, I have a new partner that actually I'm excited about. She's cool. You know, and, and that's a lesson in itself, right? Having the right partner. Holy shit. You know, I mean, we could have a whole different podcast on that, but I could tell you about the wrong partners too. Those are expensive. Nobody ever talks about those ones. Jesus. And, and, uh, but you know, we got her on that and, and, and again, I mean, that gave me kind of the insight of a wholesaler. I was like, that's cool. And I, and I watch your calls, you know, I don't get to watch them as much as I like, but dude, that's, that's hustling, man. You know, and that's what every dickhead excuse me but that says yeah you know like i could do what you're doing and 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 again i'm going to be that dick you know i'm a corporate guy and i could no you won't you won't yeah. show up at night you won't you won't i always know up. who's you not going to make it 800 yeah. no's to to get a yes i can't you know, pick who's going to make it but i could always tell who's not going to make sure. it yeah it's always the ones who think they yeah. could do it yeah. always yeah and, and i'm going to be honest that's kind of the hardest thing for me like i was telling you i where i'm really struggling is is just that learning the right people to hire dude you know, i had no answers here man that is huh talk to joe yeah. Yeah, i know he fucking struggles with it all yeah. the time well, and it gives me hope and and that's what i i love about those guys is um Man, they 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 burn in the path, you know, and and I love and I and I actually express to my team when they share it, like, oh, this was a shit show, or this was like, <laughs> it is, you know, like you and I and I think it's such a misconception that you know these teams, everything is perfect. No, Hell no, this is especially if you want to grow fast, yeah. it is a shit show yeah. for like at least a third See, of it. And, and Joey and I've talked to him. I mean, I know yeah. how fast they've grown, and 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 it's amazing. That's not me. I'm more of a kind of proof of concept guy. And I lean your direction now. Yeah. I've had a few good ass whoopings yeah, to convince yeah. me now, otherwise. I'll be honest and, and knock on wood. I mean, in business, I, I, and with investing, I've had nothing but winners. Now, some are doubles, some are triples, some are home runs. But I don't know. Uh, like I was joking, the reason for that record is I couldn't go any other way. Mm-hmm. If I would have lost, I would have been done. <laughs> you know, it would have taken a long time to build it back. And especially with my family still doing it. Um, if, if it wouldn't have lived up to, cause that's what my dad said. He's like, he's like, man, I remember going back, you know, to fourth street and, you know, going to bed and he'd be like, man, I, I believed you. But he said, I just, you know, we really going to get 170 for this house. And it's a lot of pressure. You know, and but I love it. It goes back to the the competitiveness. You know, so I like, uh, and and I have. I've learned so much watching you guys. You know, wholesalers or you know, seeing other guys that do. And like now that I'm doing this little one on Princeton, it's just a perfume on a pig. Oh my god, I miss him. Like I and not in in not making light of anything that anyone is doing out there, but. Um, yeah, these big ones, they're fucking nuts. You know, it's a thousand miles an hour. Um, it, there, there's so many issues. That's what people don't understand. You know, there, there's so many decisions and you can't be the kind of person that, that waits. You got to go now. 
You know, if you wait today, you bumped your timeline back. People don't understand that. Oh, yeah. Any delay. Yeah. They don't understand. Don't. Okay, so the, the carpenter didn't come in, so now the electrician can't come in. Dude, yeah. you fuck everything yeah. up in a heartbeat. got another job. Yeah, so you might not get them back for 10 totally. days. And that's, like, why I laugh. Every house, and it's all good, I, I accept it, and I uh, at this point, I uh, I just wait for it. But every house I do, some numb nut, you know, oh, you should have did this, you should have did that. And it's like... Uh, like I have one on Oxford and, and not busting his balls, but Drew was giving me some shit uh, on where we built a deck. There's a deck post that uh, I mean, I'm talking an eighth of an inch, man, is getting this uh, electrical outlet open. Well, yeah, well, I get it. You know, it's not ideal. You know, I can shave it down. It's not the end of the world. But the reason you're complaining you know, and he, and he wasn't complaining. I want to stress that. But, you know, you're teasing me is actually I saved so much money on my budget that I built you a bigger fucking deck. <laughs> you know? And that electrical outlet was going to be just fine with your little ass deck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that that's what people miss. You know, I think it's uh, again, they see these freaking TV shows and think it's so easy. And I laugh like, you know, they have, a, oh, there's mold in this house. Oh, my God. That's that's not a problem. Mold is not a problem. Yeah. You no. know, the problem is open something up and. Finding out, you know, you thought it was two by six construction. It's two by four, and I gotta feather the whole bottom floor, or I do blown in. It's- oh, they're running the wrong way, so you yeah. can't you, you can't just run run across yeah. and support. Now you, you actually have to put in they, some vertical there, beams. There's and a, there's a hundred thousand different. They change code on you halfway. By the way, now it has to be airtight, oh, yeah. and you don't have yeah. Well, dude, I went through that yep. right on Oxford because uh, I had to send a chase, and in before we were we were getting away on using exterior walls if we insulated the piss out of it. That went away. So I literally, and, and those are decisions you got to make that minute, you know, not, not tomorrow. Don't sleep on it that minute. And yeah, I had to steal uh, 18 inches or something. It might've been more than that, 24 inches or something, but for a return. So I had to steal it in a, in a bedroom, you know, does it look great? No, no. Does it look awful? No. Are they going to live with it? Did I lose money? No. You know, and that's what I see. The, the guys who I know are never going to make it as a flipper are those guys are the guys that are so over analytical dude you you will talk yourself into no decision every time you know you got to roll with it and 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 i think the intuition plays into more and it goes back to what we were saying earlier about it is doing it slow all these experiences allowed me to make a quick decision you know because yeah if i if i snap and go i know that heat runs less than a hundred dollars you know, back in the day, it might have been different. Um, I know through building a few of them now, it's not gonna, it's not gonna do anything. I'm not gonna lose my buyer. You know, so it's, um, it's just you, you gotta act quick, man. You gotta act quick because these guys don't care. I mean, kind of a funny story. I mean, if I can get on another rant, but I had like almost the first fight that I've ever had with a worker um, in the seven years I've been doing it. And, and being honest with you, it was bullshit. You know, like um, making a really long story short, I. Fired my old HVAC guy, and not because he he wasn't good. He was phenomenal, but he just kept jacking me on price. And the hard thing about running your crews is that's what happens. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it, it, and it's sad. And I I'm can't not, explain why they do I, it. Well, I can't because, uh, and I'm not talking light about anyone that that's out there. And and this doesn't even necessarily maybe pertain to my team as much. But what I see in that industry is bad business people. And they're not businessmen. And and the thing that I understand coming from the trades is you're only as good as the meal that you're eating, you know. And they, it's hard for these guys to see the longevity uh, or the quantity that I plan on handing them, 
you know, and, and I'll be even more honest. I'm in kind of that in-betweener. I'm not, you know, a 30 house kind of guy right now, but I'm like a five or a seven, you know, in big projects. So it's like they, you know, they want to jostle with me on everyone, but it's, you know, again, I think what, what you learn through that is like I was saying earlier in, in the show is, um, experience, you know, you pay for what you get and there, I don't have the cheapest guys, but I have the best value and that's, that's it. You know, I like on this one, I'm going to pay my plumber more. I mean, he went at it and what happened with the HVAC guy is he came in, I fired, I fired my original guy and he told me, he's like, look, I've never really done new construction, but I want to start perfect, man. And that's why, and I told him right out of the gate, I looked him in the eye and said, dude, I'll be the best partner you have. You know, I'll help you through it. You know, mistakes are okay. Like, you know, just don't fucking burn the house down. Well, dude, they get in there and, and being honest, they do. They, they make a lot of like rookie mistakes. I mean, the only scary one was they, the one guy asked my carpenters if they could cut through some trusses and shit. I mean, that, what? that was a little mind numbing, but whatever. <laughs> and, and they were, they were doing all these small things and, and I was living with it. And, and, uh, and in the beginning they were kind of egotistical. They're like, oh, we're out working your guys. And it's like, no, you're not, you know? And, uh, so I lived through all these little things. Well, then coming to the end and, and, and I encourage everyone to do the same. I mean, you don't pay anyone up front, right? You pay 50, you know, up front, Absolutely. 50 on the back. If you don't trust them, you break it in thirds. And when, when I was paying him, I gave him 50 up front. Well, kind of like a hot shot. He told me, I don't, you know, I don't need it as much. I think what he was trying to show me and it was stupid, but just the weight to carry the job. Cause these guys don't get their money till the end. You know, I said, all right. All right, man. You know, I, I told him, I, my investor and I, we've got the money if you want it. No, dude, it's cool. So we went through, we got the rough sticker. Everything's good. And then, uh, uh, I called him. I was like, dude, you guys, you know, are you still working towards getting your final? Oh yeah, we know what we're doing. Uh, all right, dude. Cool. So then I come to get the final from them and they're like, what are you talking about? They were like, we already have our sticker. And now they start complaining that I'm not paying them. And I'm like, dude, this is only your rough sticker. You know, so we kind of have it out a little bit, but nothing crazy. And then like two days later, um, what happened was, is I had to, I had to literally only run a gas line, like another four feet. I had to like 90 and run. I wound up changing the hot water tank. And so I called him, I, or no, actually I shot him a text and said, Hey, Josh, Mike, I, you know, I need, uh, this pipe moved. And dude, I don't get a text message back or anything. And I get a call like five minutes later and it's the owner. And he's like, he's like, you have no idea what you're doing. And I mean, that's like how the conversation started. And, and that's again, an interesting tactic. Yeah. Like, where are you going with this? I don't even understand. And, and that's why I said, I'm like, Mike, what are you, what are you talking about, man? And he's like, he's like, this isn't our gas line to run and your plumber needs to do it. And I'm like, Mike, did I pay you to do the black pipe? Yeah. Okay. Well, let me, and my plumber was right next to me. I'm like, Jerry, I'm like, if I have these guys do the pipe, you know, will you do it for free? And no, you know, well, there you go. You know, there's the answer. So dude, he MFs me and this and that we have it out politely as politely as can businessly be done, you know, and that's cool. Fine. It's the end of it. All right. I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing. I've run a lot of gas pipe in my time now, but you know, apparently you're, you're better than me. Right. So he bitches moans and he tells me, all right, Josh is going to come over. I said, all right, cool. So I had to go get two strainers for my plumber. So I go get uh, two strainers and I see that he's coming in. And and the one thing, and I would express this to everyone who flips homes and just life in general. I mean, anyone that's on your team or helping you, working with you, I mean, I'm always so appreciative. 
And I always try to express that to him, you know, and I was just, so when he came in, I said, Hey Josh, I really appreciate you coming in, you know, and uh, I know it sucks, whatever, whatever I said. And dude, he looked at me kind of like he had his back to me, like turned around, kind of like, you know, kind of like puffed his chest out at me and then turned around and walked And, and And for whatever reason, I mean, Dude, it it hit the every nerve in my body, and dude, I lost my shit. And what was kind of funny is there was a plug, uh, a gas valve that they had in backwards that fucked up the drywall. That dude, my dad was having a fit about. But like I told him, Dad, fuck it, just keep the keep the machine going. Like things gonna be covered. No one gives a fuck, you know. And uh, but dude, I lost my shit. And I I said, Hey, I said, get over here, you know. So he comes over there, and I said, You guys are trying to act like you're Billy Badass, and I said, look at this. This is dog shit work. You know, and I start going off and uh, he kind of looks at me and I, and it did throw him off because I had the, the whole four or five months I've been working with him. It's been rainbows and unicorns, you know. So uh, he, whatever, he hems and haws. He goes downstairs and then uh, I come back and then I realize, shit, I got to, uh, I got to pay Jerry now. So I got to go back down there. But I, you know, at this time I'm pretty meat headed up. Fuck it, whatever. <laughs> so, so dude, I, I go down there and I, I am done. You know, I explained it. As long as you're fixing it, I don't need any more than that. And, dude, I come down there. And this kid, and he's a bigger guy. He's like 6'2", 215. Not out of shape, but not in, in shape. And uh, he just starts going off on me. You know, you don't know what you're doing. You know, this isn't my pipe. We haven't been paid in full. We're finished. All these things. And, dude, I, I – the part that I – and I honestly went back to kind of Cintas – now you're just disrespecting me, you know, and now you're disrespecting me in something that honestly I know a lot about. I'm not good at much, but this is like one of three things I'm all right at. So, dude, I lit him up and, and, and dude, honestly, it was close. I mean, I, I, I think it was pretty close, like to come into fisticuffs and, uh, um, and then it kind of left. And then, uh, I went outside and this is the person I am. It's kind of pathetic. But after all that, I went out there and I was still fucking fired up and I said, Hey, man, I'm like, I want you to know this is fucked up. I was like, you know, I've been doing this six, seven years, whatever it's been. I'm never have I had an ordeal like this. But then I, then I said to him, I go, but dude, I do want, you know, man to man, you are a hard worker. Yeah. Had your bed on the way out. Yeah. You know, but it was like, uh, I don't need that shit. And I, and I hear the stories of other flippers that really seem to live their business in there. And what I would tell them is, dude, get it. You know, get a new team or find a new business, man, because that's no way to live, you know, but, but it's fun, man. I mean, yeah, I, fuck I enjoy that. those moments. That's know? fucking hilarious. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you. Fuck no, off. thank you. I, I had a lawyer try and call and intimidate me the other day. I'm like, I'm like, bro, yeah. this conversation is going to be short. You better back up, take another <laughs> fucking run at this thing. Yeah. Didn't even know what to say. Like, oh, I only have one intimidation tactic. Try yeah. again. And they're looking for someone that's meek and, and I'll be honest too, like, uh, Physically, I mean, I look like a free lunch, man. So I think that's kind of what it was. Like he was going to. Yeah, they don't know about the jujitsu. Yeah. And and you know what? And honestly, the guy might have beat my ass. I don't care. What I will say, if it ever went to that, I don't care. As long as I'm in the mix and hit you once, like I'm nuts, you know. But it uh, it just it's, it does, isn't needed, you know. But I, I love it. That I uh, like you guys. It's in my blood, man. It's in my blood. I love flipping. Well, how, I know you're working on Columbia just because I was trying to wholesale a house over there. It didn't yeah. work out, you know, okay. unfortunately. But well, if it ever does, right across the street. Please, I, I absolutely. Yeah, it was yeah. right across. I'm like, uh, 
And Robert's like, hey, you know, by the way, I'm yeah. like, really? I'm like, oh, boy, that's a big project. It is. So, so that house is so interesting. And, uh, well, one, and, and, and first, I, I guess a little bit about strategy, right? The reason I bought that house. I would have never, ever bought that house in a different market. And I honestly, I wrote offer after offer after offer all summer. I would drive the project to see what they were doing. Um, I was just getting straight up outbid. And I was waiving commissions. I, I was doing everything to win. And, but I was okay with it because again, a, a formula, right? So if they were willing to pay for it, perfect. Well, then I did get a little desperate. And when I say desperate, it was calculated. I needed a house and really more than I needed the house to make money. I needed the house to keep my crew going. That's what people don't understand. That, yeah. You can't that, lose them. Fuck no. You know, and so as the family, we talked about it. And uh, we said, all right, we'll do it. That one will be a triple at best. I expect a, a two-bagger almost going to third. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be huge. But the thing that I love about this project is, uh, and I'm sick, but all the lessons I'm learning. I was joking with him, you're coming down here. Dude, I removed a fucking forest out of this house. I mean, it was. I had a tree that was... Oh, yeah, dude, just a sorry oh looking house, God. man. I mean, it was huge. And, and propping some people out and happy to give this contact away, Alpine Tree Service. They, uh, I mean, I was getting quotes 12, 13. You know, I got a very good price. I, I won't throw their numbers around, but I mean, a lot deeper discount than, than what I rattled, right? And through there, I learned a ton, right? So every project you learn some, but that was it. I removed this forest. The house and in in being respectful, it just it had a lot of different character. You know, and, <laughs> that's one way to put it. And and uh, it getting in there. I mean, like I was joking with you, you're coming down here. It this house was just so aggressively put together. Everything was nailed, cross nailed. Um, there was actually a lot of thought <laughs> that went into it. So it's been a monster to tear apart. Um, just a, a unique one. Somebody you know, with poor taste who wanted it to last forever well, is a dangerous bat, combination. Bottom, and, and, and again, this is not necessarily, of course, the owners that had it, but the history on the house is it was, it was a party house and we were laughing and, and it was super cool. You know, I, I mean, it, it was, it was very unique. I mean, they were taking me through the house and there were, there were little trap doors where they hid drugs and shit. And <laughs> there was like this back room that, you know, definitely had like some hydroponics set up at some point. And, uh, but it was, it was interesting and that, but those are the houses I love, you know, those, though, this house, even though I might not make as much money on it as the others, I will become a better flipper for it. And again, the, uh, the hard work, the athlete, the man, I, I'll take it, you know, so it, it's, it's been an interesting one. Well, I don't, I, I fear to beat something to death, but we did kind of gloss over it. Why is it important to keep your crews busy? Yeah. And it seems obvious, but let's just talk yeah, about it real quickly. So, so people know. So one in. You know, you gotta, I, I think business, you've always, and, and I know Keller preaches it, but it really does have to be a win-win. And I think, I think what I see out of a lot of younger people that are, that are newer to it, and it's, and I don't, and I never want to take it away from them. Um, they're too aggressive. They think that they should get too much, you know, just cause you're flipping a house. Who cares? You know, and, and now I try to see it from the contractor point of view. If, if you're telling me, that you're going to be buying more and all that. Well, that's a sales pitch. Now, if you show me, you better be buying. Then more. I get better. So yeah. that 
that plays into why you keep them working. When your crew is working, they know they're going to be fed. And if they know that they're going to be fed, they are willing to do it at a little more than a discount. So by keeping them busy, it keeps them on your team. It keeps them on your bench. When they don't, there's always the opportunity that they find someone like you, similar to you, or better than you. Um, or I don't line them up. And, and I'll be honest, Columbia is kind of a good example because like I told you, I probably laid in the cut a little bit too long. Um, I'm not going to start framing that thing until November. You know, I bought it and what I bought it in August. Um, you know, I took it on a small note, which is beautiful. And that's another reason we bought it. You know, I'm going to carry this thing at like $700 a month. I mean, what, how beautiful. That's pretty cheap. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, I took it on a real small note and, um, but that, that was the, the thing is, you know, man, we're, we're getting too far out now. You know, if my guys are coming in November, imagine if I didn't buy one yet. Now I'm talking next year. Yeah. You know, and so that that's why. So you, you want to keep them working. You want to keep them close to you. And don't treat them like shit. I mean, I see like some guys just, dude, you know, and I, and I think, again, it comes through a trade. I mean, I look at these guys. These guys are amazing. You know, plumber, I couldn't shit in the house and now they're going to send it out and I don't have to worry about it. A carpenter. I love my carpenters. I have two crews that I absolutely love. I always joke with my first crew and, and I... I am a little more fonder of them uh, probably out of everybody because, dude, they're athletes. I mean, these guys are eating nuts and protein bars, <laughs> but yeah. they get it. Absolutely, you know, they yeah. They their bodies, their tool. And, um, you know, with them, we were. We were able to build relationships. Luckily, in the beginning, you know, they stayed on us a little bit and, and had a little bit of faith in us to provide that quantity. I had other people in the beginning, and it's interesting, and I'm sure you get this, but it's, uh, you know, people that didn't want to help you out. No, oh, man. They couldn't be happier to lay some base for you, some trim, or I'll build your garage. It's like worth you. remembering. Yeah. yeah. And, and I took that, uh, and it goes back to me hating corporate. I've always said this, and I'm going to always live this way in my life. Uh, and I, I kind of joke, kind of like the mop. You know, you take care of me, man. I got you. You know what I'm saying? You put me down, get in my way. I will fucking run you over, and I will never help you out. You know, and, and what's crazy and I definitely don't want to get into that, but, um, and I heard Joe laugh about it, you know, some of the deals with your family, you know, and I'm not talking my, my, my immediate family or whatever, but, you know, cousins and stuff like that, not using you and they're all smart enough. And if they're not, and they're listening to this, they should be. I mean, if they didn't, don't ever call me, Yeah. you know, and it's not that I don't love you. I'll break bread with you and I'll have fun, but this is business, you know, and if, if I wasn't good enough for you, then I'm definitely not good enough for you now. You know, There's just, a lot of that. Yeah. And, it, and it's sad, you know, and it's uh, my and I see it. Um, and I think you guys were talking about it, you and Joe and saying that uh, the Keller Williams model, you know, one hand on the ladder up. There's another down pulling someone up. Um, the people uh, that are become very helpful in my life, man, I, I can't wait to pay it forward. You know, even like like I was propping out Sherry. I hope everyone hears this and I owe her so much, you know. So Absolutely. That's how I'm rolling, man. <laughs> There's so many people that have done so much for me who didn't even have to do it that I don't have to go back for the people who didn't give a fuck. Yeah. I have yeah. a long line of people who do give a fuck. And that's kind of what's weird about yeah. success. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, man. Um, my goals and my attentions, I, I just, I, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm excited and, and I am proud of where I'm at, but I'm, I'm nowhere. You know, I, 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 I have, like we were talking earlier, bigger dreams, bigger aspirations now. And, and it's just ironic to me all the time that, um, 
when you get a little bit of success, everyone wants a piece of it. And what is more ironic to me is that everyone thinks it's easy. You know, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, what I did to get here. I failed, dude. I, I literally had my dream and fucking fucked it up. You know what I mean? And, and that started. No one, no one sees the, the books we all read. No one, uh, no one sees the things they sacrificed, you know? And, and then I think, I think, and I'm going to be honest, I think it's a little, uh, it's a little shitty that they more than a little shitty, you know, because, there's a lot. And every guy that's walking around here, guy or gal, they gave up a lot to get where they did. And if you're a trust fund baby, you suck. You know, I mean, you're, it's great, but you can't put yourself on the level as some of these guys. I mean, again, Jim and Joe and Pat. And, long yeah, way to go. And they put it in, you know, and they've I, been I putting in time for all, they've been grinding for a long time. Yeah. And I think, and I laugh with my wife because, uh, I think I'm real easy to look at like that. Cause I do, I cruise around in a sweatshirt. I, I really do try to live my life as un or as casual as I can, but, uh, they, you know, they dress a certain way. And like I said, you, you sucked at corporate. There's, if you can do it, oh my God, you're terrible at court, you know, but two different things, you know, but it's just, uh, it's a sacrifice. What do you, what are you willing to do? And I, and I've heard your story, oh, yeah. you know, about building up going, you know, it's, it's uh, big ups, big downs. Yeah. Laid on the couch for six months. Woe is me. <laughs> that never helps, by the way. Sure. It seems yeah. to be a mandatory part, though, for but some period of I time. I think it's reflection, yeah. you know, and, and kind of going back to that, what we were saying earlier, you, you either win or you learn. And and winning, you don't really learn a lot. You learn that you're doing good and whatever you're doing good, keep doing. But it's not until you lose. And, and that's how you did. Yeah, for know? sure. I got my learn on, Matt. <laughs> yeah. I got my learn on in a big way yeah, with the big boys both, money. Man. Yeah. yeah. That's a hell. That's an expensive way to learn. Well, this next segment okay. is you, you did throw out some books and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but obviously, people, books, movies, seminars, sure. anything that you think, and it could go either way. That's been extremely helpful, mm-hmm. or hasn't been helpful and should be avoided. Just anything you think that has helped you out. This is, sure. and this is always. I hate to say my favorite part, but. Okay. This is where I get to go back and load up the audiobooks and get on Amazon oh. and buy shit, you know, anything so like that. To, yeah, I was trying to kind of prepare for that. Absolutely. I, uh, truthfully, now that I have my little guy and um, now that I'm I'm pretty busy here at like the tail end with, with you know, wrapping everything up, I'm not reading as much. I, I do listen to audiobook. What I am reading now and, and again, like why I'm so excited to be here and, and so excited to see what you guys are doing. Um, I'm reading, like we were saying, Jab, Jab, Right Hook yeah, by Gary book. Vanderchuk. Um, what fascinates me about that and, and trying to give a, a short synopsis of it, what, it, right, what it is, is it's basically using social media, right, to tell your story. And that was kind of what you were saying before, which lets me know you're a pretty smart dude, right? So the the content and, and really what uh, dragged me to Gary V, um, I saw some of his shit and, and on sponsored Facebook ads. And, and I was like, man, you know, like, who is this guy? Well, I'm always instantly drawn to people who, who, who are the, the, the round, you know, uh, peg trying to fit in a square hole. And he was that he had a sweatshirt on, he was dropping the F word. Um, but what he was saying made a lot of sense to me and what he was really talking about in the podcast before I got, or the, uh, little sponsored ads was just content, content. You got to put out content. And, and then he said one little thing that made me buy the book. 
And he said, all this paper advertising, you know, it's worthless. You get like two seconds. And he said, what's in your pocket? And right away, I knew where it was going. Your cell phone. Right. That that's where everything is. I mean, I do it. Everyone, you take a shit, you're on the phone, you know, like you're uh, you're at a bar and I'm never at a bar, but you're not cool enough. You know, you're on your phone trying to act cool like everyone's on there, you know, and really what brought me to the book is I started doing this paper advertising. I talked to Schaefer and and he is he's hyper local. He's he's the man, you know. So I'm like, all right, and I and I'm gonna do it. I, I made the commitment, but dude, it's expensive as hell, man. Oh man. And and so I started reading this book, and I and I'll be honest with you, I've read the other chapters, but I'm still what I would deem in the Facebook chapter of learning how to utilize that. And and what he says is that, and and I understand it because I'm paying for it now, is that these paper advertisements, they're gone. They're they're not gonna be here, maybe another five years, I don't know. You know, but it, it could be sooner, it could be later, but they're going to be gone, man. It, it's 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 a dying thing. It's pretty much when the baby boomers kick it. Exactly, you're going to see a huge I mean, all drop. These millennials like Snapchat. What the hell is that? I'm trying to learn about all that, and you know how I can monetize it maybe for my business and stuff. But but that's why I went there, and and on there he talks about using these ads, and and what he was stressing is that, and I can I can get two thousand, three thousand, six thousand touches. Between thirty and sixty dollars. Yeah, it's crazy, ridiculous. Crazy. The the return is just. I mean, it, it's it's nuts. So that and for people up. listening, you'd be surprised. Just go on the back end and look. It could be extremely targeted. Totally. Yeah. Way way more targeted and, than any direct you mail campaign and, and, you can put together. Exactly. Because you're the content master over here. I'm learning from you. But but you're right. You know, it's super targeted. Um, it's just, it's the future, man. And, and I, I really hope, and I've been doing my best and, you know, I, I got a long way to go, but I've, I've been trying to utilize it, you know, but, and it kind of was what you were saying earlier. The reason I know I'm starting to make some waves is dude, I'll be, you know, like I spent a lot of time in Berkeley and that's really where I'm trying to saturate us right now. And, uh, people, yeah, dude, I saw your website. I saw yep. this, you know, your Facebook and, um, all right, man, you know, it's working. It's, it's mind share, you know, and, and, uh, being honest with you, I hope as a team I can utilize that more for my team. I don't see a lot of people doing it. There, it's it's it, you know, it, it's going to happen. But all I have to say, and I try and convince people, investors take advantage of it all the time. Sure. I don't know why real estate agents are lagging in the technology department. Mm-hmm. They are. You're you're going to have to blaze a trail. Yeah. But it looks pretty clear to me. Well, I appreciate it. It's I, a know, small trying, tweak, dude, I think. Th- what I laugh, man, like this whole setup, you know, I want to be honest, when I saw you coming in, I came downstairs, I'm like, fuck, I need one of those. Oh, yeah. You know? Dude, it's only 2500 bucks, man. I, well, and I get it. Yeah. You know? It's and, not, it's not even I, that I much. write it off. Yeah. Which is even better. But it, it's uh, the content, man. And and I think what's so interesting and in, in what I know that I have as a realtor that no one has is this flipping thing. Yeah. People are interested. You know, people, I, I have the content. I've just got to get out there and do it. And shame on me. You know, I, I haven't done it yet, but I, I'm trying. I'm definitely trying. Well, you just, yeah, just get, just got to start. That's all. Well, that's yeah. it. You know, and I laugh. Like I looked at that. Um, uh, you know, I looked at it today cause we're, we're going to run some this weekend, but I do. I mean, I have thousands of views. Um, I've only had a couple that have went like, you know, 15, 1600 clicks, but also what a, what a service for my client, you know, I mean, uh, everyone comes in and that's kind of what I've learned about these big teams. It's just a dog and pony show, like, you know, a fucking flyer of 20 step process to sell your home fits back to simplicity yeah. is genius. It doesn't take no. that. Um, but, 
that is a feature that I think everyone can relate to is, hey, how are you going to get people? Well, I can't promise you that the 6,000 people that I put in front of will come. But what I can promise you is they'll look at it. And like you're saying, a tracker, I can literally show them. And I do, I send screenshots. Hey, I, this guy looked at this, you know, a thousand times this ad was this. It's, it's, it's a great service. That's the difference between the new and old is totally. the new is accountable. Totally. Well, and even again, throwing some shouts out, but to Casey here, you know, like, uh, um, I know what I'm good at. And I know what I suck at, you know, and, and, uh, I knew it seeing him, you know, very smart kid, like you, very technology driven. And, uh, uh, I said, Hey dude, I said, I got to just take you to lunch. You know, I took him to lunch. I'm like, you know, what's Snapchat, you know, what's <laughs> because, and he knew it, yeah. you know, and, and for anyone who doesn't know it, a, a great site to go to when you're building a business logos and shit is Fiverr. Right. And if you yep. don't know about that, shame on you. Um, if not, check it out. But he was sending in. I and I left here, and that's what I was joking with him. I mean, everyone thinks I'm really young because I look 12, but uh, I'm old, you know. And I know that all the new cutting edge shit is with those guys, you know. And and now I look at Snapchat. I like I love my wife, and and again, she'll listen. She doesn't even know I'm observing her, but she's doing all this shit with Snapchat with my boy, you know, these little like stories and shit. I'm like, dude, I could do that with a house, absolutely, you know. So. Don't I overlook to, Instagram. Over. Yeah, and I, um, yeah. I, in fact, I think Instagram might be slightly higher than Facebook. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, because Facebook has like a year or two lead on it, so start Catch looking into. You can advertise on Instagram. Oh, I saw that for yeah. for for similar prices, but with better results. Interesting. Yeah. So just you know, obviously toe in the water, you know, you're, you're a conservative guy, but just put it on your radar. Like Facebook I'm, is definitely number one. Now. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, those are the only two I'm on. Don't, Instagram where I think the only place worth paying Okay, Facebook and Instagram. See what I realized too. And, and again, observing the stuff you're doing now too, is, um, I need to get to video. Yeah. You know, the pictures are great. I, I spend money on, I think really good professional photography for, for our folks and in that place. Well, but it's all video. That's what I see. I, I, uh, I ran like a real shitty video. Uh, this is a while back and I had a lot of hits on it and I was like, wow, you know, so that's why I was joking again, the setup, man. Dude, I, you, you, you started doing it. Do more of it. Do, do more the of the Facebook live. Yeah. I can't even, I am fucking cleaning up Facebook <laughs> live and there's it. no realtor doing it, yeah. man. I, I, I'm trying to be that guy. So get on. Yeah. The hard part. And, and man, I, I, even after this doesn't have to be here, but open your interpretation is, is how to do that as an investor. I know how to, and I know how to tie it to, to my realtor thing, but I know it's powerful, you know, and I, and I know people are, would enjoy seeing it. So, uh, yeah, I need, I need to, man. No, that's, dude, that's I, would love, I would love to talk about it. I have, I've been doing a lot of testing. I don't think I have the answers. Okay. I have what not to do. Oh, well, it's even better. That That's important. And then yeah. well, I think I have some ideas on some things I, you can I'd do. And I think you'd be a good person for I'd it love too. To. And, I, and I enjoy it. I, uh, I don't mind putting myself out there cause I can, you know, I don't take myself all that serious and I can laugh and Hey, if I fuck up, I remember the first time and maybe you were late but when I did Facebook live, I'm like, well, this could be awesome or this could be really yep. bad. <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, but I, I do. I, I think it's the future. So I, I love anything Gary V. Um, I had all intent and I will at some point maybe read Crush It. Dude, I, know I end every pod, every Renegade Detroit Investor podcast with Crush It. Okay. This is something embarrassing to admit about myself, but there was a time when I quit when I could have done more. Sure. 
And I don't know how anybody else feels about that. But there's one thing to fail because you can't do something or you didn't make the right yeah. decision or anything. It's another thing to fail because you didn't work hard enough. Yep. Yeah, baseball. And I made that decision right there. I'm like, you know what? That will not be a problem. Good deal. There are going to be lots of other problems. <laughs> and that's what crush it is all about. Like, stop being a pussy and just work. Yeah. How bad do you want? Yeah. Be, that's why I'm doing the podcast for free. Yeah. Do the podcast, do something so well for free for so long that somebody will just fucking pay you to do it. I don't know if that'll ever happen. You know what? But it won't I, happen and, and if I, I don't it do goes it. Back to what he says, and, I, and I'll be honest, I've seen some, and I think you're doing a really good job putting out good content. It's, uh, it is. It's about all the content, but you have the voice, and I know that's what he says, right? Like, you, you live in this just, and that's what I think people don't get. Like, oh my god, the opportunity, huge. I mean, to be a human being right now, wow. It's fucking good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and I think, you know, people don't realize that everyone's got a voice. Where and, and I think what I would tell people listening, you know, if that doesn't resonate, then think about this. All this political bullshit that's going on, oh, right? God. Facebook, yeah. it's filled, you know, fuck Hillary, fuck Donald, this guy says, you know. But but that's the outlet. You could take the same content, ball it up and make it about you, your passion, and monetize it. You know, so I, I see it. I hope that I'm smart enough to um, and capable enough and, and driven enough to to utilize it because it is underserved. And just like you said earlier, realtors, they don't No, they don't use it. They're very, very they, they, they're late adopters when it comes to these things. Mm-hmm. So yep. um, that's why I was saying, man, Instagram, do short videos and content that made for each platform, all that. I tend to focus more on Facebook. Yep. Um, my results have been good on Facebook. Yep. So, well, that's what I learned. Like in, in, you know, I hope they're not listening, but I, I do see some realtors that are that are bigger than me uh, that, that I am kind of competing with in their area a little bit. But it's, uh, I mean, they do. And again, I hope they're not listening. But three thousand pages of, you know, uh, reading and reading. You know, just short and sweet. That's what I've learned. Short and sweet, and they want pictures, but more than pictures, they want video video That's what it is. yeah in, in a minute 20 you know like it, it shouldn't be really any more than that you know and and it's funny because uh i actually going back to my buddies in college um god we were crazy but we we would always say like in the midst of kind of our epic night or at least what we thought was epic was uh we're like dude we need to get and we had pledges you know we need to get a pledge just to video us man and, and, but I think it's kind of the same thing. And right. That's what Gary V's got. He's got D rock, you know, D rock just follows him around. You know, it is captivating what they, what they, it keeps my attention, you know, and right when it cuts off, it's right when I'm about to be done with it. It's he's the man. So I, I've been spending a lot of time on him. Um, trying to think about other things I read. Um, any, I mean, anything real estate, I, I would tell you anything you could read is good my favorite books are flip. You know, my dad will listen to this podcast and he'll probably hate me for giving that book away. But um, in there, and and again, if flippers who are listening, it's nothing more than this. Don't man. worry, Matt. Yeah. People don't fucking read. Well, that, you that's know? it. That's what I always laugh about. You're, you could go back I'm and like, tell yeah, your dad, just relax. I told him. I said, I relax. told him. This is why, again, <laughs> propping out my girl, Coley. Um, I always tease her. When when I met her, she was a client before she started working with me, and um, and I loved her. They were they were buying a house, and dude, she was just a a little little badass, you know, just tons of questions, follow up. Hey, did you do this, you do that, and but she holds two rentals right now. Her and that guy, like I told you, are working on some others, which is great. But um, they, uh, I was like, dude, you got to read this book. You got to read this book. You got to read this book. 
And like you said, I tell everyone, no one reads it. I, that's why I, I so openly share it. No one's going to read it. Yeah. It goes back to sacrifice time. Well, right? this is how you find out who you want to partner with, too. Exactly. That's the secret. It's that. not competition. Totally it's right. my future 100%. partner. And, yeah. and I, I, God willing, and, and provided she wants to keep doing it, too, I have big plans for us. But uh, but to her, and that's what it was, she showed up to that next day. She's like, yeah, man, I, you know, I can only get two out of the five you did. And I started reading this. It's like, that's what it takes, you know, but I would, I would read flip, um, me personally. Um, and it might've been where I found it in my life, but all the rich dad, poor dad books, you know, anything Kiyosaki wrote, I wrote prophecy. It's already happened. So you're, you're late to that. You know, it's about how they, and well, and actually it's going to happen. The Employee Retirement Investment Security Act, how all these baby boomers are going to have to start pulling money out of the market because they have to, because I think they're, don't call it's me just beginning. Oh yeah. yeah. Just beginning. Shit show. Yeah. Okay. And this is, this just is wait. designed, you know, and this is going to fucking nuke the yeah. stock market. Just dude. Multiple boom, 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 I, the boom. The guys that I invest with, like I have one investor that I work with, uh, a guy named Mark, who um, mad respect for. I mean, done a lot of lot of big things, and that's why he's kind of moved to real estate a little bit now. I think the I think the guys who know know how volatile it is, you know, and uh, and that's why I love real estate. You know, it's uh, it was kind of funny when I studied in college um, when I was at junior college. I had a business class, a great professor, this guy named Mr. Rice. And uh, we started studying the stock market. Well, again, and like I said, especially at that time, dude, I was hungry. So I remember going and buying books and I'd read. And the more I read, the less I knew. I was like, <laughs> holy shit, you know, put and call and I mean, just all kinds of shit. And I'm like, and then I remember in that class, I got like a week's worth of real estate. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, six months, you know, nine month markets, um, crazy, you know, and I don't, and I, and the thing that I like about it, not that I'm lazy, but I don't want to be checking shit every two seconds. Who the fuck wants to do that? No, no. And I also don't want to play with billionaires. That's the cool thing about real estate. Their deal so small, sharks don't eat you for them. You know, that is not true in Wall Street. Oh, There's a lot of collateral dude, and, damage and on I Wall laughed, Street. Like I just got back from Vegas with my wife, and I honestly said this to her. We were walking around and, and having fun. I had a ball with her. And I'm like, you know what's funny? Like all these bells and these whistles and bright lights. I'm like, you know what this reminds me of? And every morning I wake up, I watch Squawk Box. Like, this is fucking Squawk Box, man. Tickers running down low. This stock's up. Dow's down. This, you know. I, you know, and I won't even go there, but, you know, being skeptic, I think that's by design. I think so too. hundred percent, you know, urgency where there is none. Yeah. Busyness, all it's like a show. Yeah. You know, and and that's what I laugh because I've never, well, it's untrue. I bought like a penny stock and, you know, lost everything. And I only probably spent 50 bucks when I was little, but um, they, uh, I, I laugh because there, there's no exit strategy with stocks. And maybe it's because I'm not educated enough. I know you can start hedging your bets and shit. But that's what I love about real estate. Even if the shit hits the fan and it goes back to what you said, you're dealing with just people. I still got a way on the, on the out. You know, I can sell it as a short sale. That would suck. Um, you know, but I still have the opportunity. I have it. You know, I can maybe improve it and rent it if that wasn't the case. And and again, when I started and the family started, you know, flipping, that's how it was. Hey, if the shit hits the fan, can we rent it? You could also, you know? yeah, you could ride it out. Yeah, you can't ride out every stock because what if they what if they I, go I bankrupt? And, and You're and done. Popping out my buddy Randy that I work with, Randy Hambright. He, uh, uh, 
I, I mean, we were actually in the, the midst of, you know, kind of building our real estate thing. And me and him got in like a really heated, you know, kind of like passionate argument. And it was about real estate. And his dad does some stuff with stocks and bonds and stuff. And I said, dude, I was like, screw that shit, you know, and, and I'm, and I won't even go there, but just talking about kind of where I think America's headed and the world economy and, and all these things. And I said, dude, I said, at least with this house, I can show up and there might be a tank in front of it, but I can at least try to fight for something. On paper, you have nothing, you know, but I, uh, and I prop everyone. I, I know people make a lot of money, but it, it's also too, like I have a good jujitsu buddy, uh, Kevin, and we talk about it. And he, I think he, as far as I know, he does pretty darn well, but it's crazy. And, and I think I'm spoiled a little bit as a flipper. He's like, yeah, man, I made like 15%. And he's like, yeah, 1500 bucks. And, you know, not being a dick, but I'm like, man, that's a lot to risk to only make 1500 yep. bucks. You know, it's a good return on paper, but I just, you know, it's what you're comfortable with. I just don't think it's as a sound of investment, you know, but it's also education and, and I'm not educated in it. So I'm sure that's just as much of it as anything. You know? Oh, for sure. Hey, I know people can, can make money yeah. doing that. Just, uh, Man, there's a lot of sharks too. There's yeah. there's a well, lot my, more to know. My favorite, and, and man, I'm just like bashing corporate people. I'm like, good. <laughs> but, but the thing that I always laugh too is like those guys are the quickest ones to tell you how their 401k works, and that I, at least for me, yeah, you're not an investor, bro. You know, I, you're an institutional guy who, yeah. in my opinion, and this is arrogant as hell, but doesn't have enough brains to do something with your money. That's the truth. You know, and, and, and again, that, that is pretty arrogant, but it's, uh, I do. I know about brains, not the right attitude. Yeah. Maybe brains, but certainly attitude. Do you think a little bit of a dick, but, but I do because, because it's bullshit. That's what you were fed in college. That's what you were, you know, it's what rich dad, poor dad, all this stuff talks about, right. Is, you got to change your mind, dude. And and I think what what's very apparent to me, and and, and now really being a Keller, it's even more. Um, every every level has a different set of rules, you know. So the higher you go, the different rules you're playing by. And I think I think these guys, it's nothing wrong, but they don't accelerate. They don't get past that four hundred one k. You know, it's just that's what they're going to do the whole time. And there's nothing wrong with it. But I look at a 401k and everything is um, it's a market. You know, it, it usually tells a trend. Well, the market collapses every 25 to 30 years, right? Somewhere around there, historically speaking. Well, fuck, when it does that, guess what? Just like all these baby boomers, I'm retiring. Yeah. So why am I going to sink something into it? And and even moreover, on a slow play investment like that, the thing I don't understand is inflation, you know? I mean, dude, I, I'm a candy addict, okay, right? Like, I remember when candy was 50 cents, and I could get some good shit, you know? I can't get anything. There's no two for a dollar anymore. That's no. fifty. you know? So it's the inflation of it. So even if I'm making money, is it going to multiply at the rate of what I'm holding it? And I, I'm betting I'm not. I mean, the dollar is devalued 98% right now. It's a shit show. You know, it's a shit show. So I don't know. And it'd be even weirder. Like I'm a huge nanotechnology nerd. Um, from everything that I've read, they said if uh, if 100 of the Fortune 500 companies are left when nano really hits and it's supposed to hit in 2015, um, they'd be shocked. And I I believe it. 
you know, because it's all and you hear even in the politicians now the new energy and you got Tesla and all that. It's coming, man. We're gonna be Star Wars. My kid's gonna have a hoverboard and all the shit, you know, Michael J. Fox did, man. <laughs> Seriously, straight up, man. Can I get pizza nuked right out of the oven this, in three seconds? Mind, right. I, yeah. I thought this was so cool. So I was reading some nano stuff and what they were talking about is just all the um, uh, all the breakthroughs they're having on cancer. And and what they're saying is that um, it's going to be looked at very barbaric on how we're treating it now. And the way we're treating it now is just because that's what technology and, and science affords. And they have these things called nano smart bombs. And it's basically, it, it's uh, it, no shots or anything. They like blow it, you know, air in your system. It's permeable. It goes through and it only adheres to the cancer cells. This nano cage is set to do that. When it adheres to it, it deteriorates. It self-destructs. And in the middle of it, they have a highly radioactive element called actin-222. And then it kills the cancer. And it was only killing the cancer cells in mice. So that was awesome. And then the other thing I read a little further on down the road that like blew my mind is they were like, yeah, like, you know, 2030, there'll be no doctors. There, There's no need for doctors. I'm like, what, dude? And what they were saying is that we are in a society of uh, medicine that is needed now. Nothing is preventative. So what they were saying is that, and this blew my mind, but there's going to be less and less doctors because you're going to take a shit, you're going to hit a button, and it's going to take a stool sample right there. And everything, you know, for the most part can be detected in your stool, cancer and stuff like that. And that's what it would say is, hey, you know, we, we noticed you've got a couple more cancer cells than you did. You know, go get your, your butt checked or whatever, you know. But that that's where we're headed, you know, and it fits back in what we're saying about Gary Vee. You know, like I'd be a fool to think if this paper advertising is going to be the end all, you know, for the next 20 years while I'm in business. It's not, you know, it's not going away. No, It's persistent. And despite what everybody thinks, just the beginning. That's it. man. It is very it's in its infancy still. Everybody I read in college and uh, and again about like nano. They said in the first 10 years, and again, they timestamp it now. So 2015 to what is that? 2025. They say in those first 10 years, it'll have more of an impact than the whole 21st century, which is crazy. We've done some pretty amazing shit, you know, but I, I think, I think you're going to see it, man. You know, and I, and I hope as a country, you know, we, we get into it, man. Cause that's kind of what I've read is, you know, victors go with spoil. That's how it always goes. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. Man. Well, it's all happening here. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> Everything else. That'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you want to talk about that we didn't talk about? No, man. I had fun. I, it was fucking great. I, yeah, I had yeah. a great time. No, it was awesome, man. I had a great time. Up. Yeah. No, that's, this is no, a podcast. I hope, have, I hope you have me on again, man. I, yeah. I hey, for and, sure. Well, yeah. podcast, I don't want somebody to shut up. I want the exact opposite. <laughs> you made my job easy today, Good. sir. Good. All right, folks, I want to encourage you to check out my guest, Matthew Stransky. And I want to thank him for his time today. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate it. Check him out, facebook.com forward slash Stransky and company. This will be in the show notes, folks, too. And you can also just type in Matthew Stransky into Facebook and look him up. Definitely check him out. Works the Woodward Corridor. Also, he's doing a bunch of flips in Berkeley. So any wholesalers want to reach out to him, he might be interested in buying. So. That's right. Two four eight seven six five eight seven eight eight. One more time. Two four eight seven six five eight seven eight eight. I'll listen to any deal, man. If you lack money, anyway. If not, <laughs> don't call. Right. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, folks. And uh, as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. Don't take the blue pill. All right. None of this shit's going to work, man. You better count on yourself. Better make some relationships. I know, I know, I know. If you're 60, you got to do it. If you're 12, you got to do it. Just just got to fucking do it. It's a, it's a shit sandwich. You got to eat it. Better start now, right? Pick some goals. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you close to your goals, even if it's one step. And I do want to thank you for listening. I know you guys could be doing lots of other things. I really appreciate it. And until the next podcast, crush it.